1: This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday. It's the 20th day of January 2016 in the year of our Lord. We're coming to you live from our radio and television studios located in snowy, cold, the tundra. That is northwest Pennsylvania, where we're heard live every weeknight, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on our home base. That's the Global Star Radio Network, the place to be. And, folks, we're also simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live on YouTube as well. You can see us right there. Right? I can see us. You can see us too. We can see you too. Anyway, links to each uh, audio and video broadcasting venue can be found at our home base on the Internet at Hagman and Hagman.com. Two N's, one G, one H, no spaces, the word and. You got it. You know. And, and folks, we also have, uh, two other websites, uh, actually three, but, uh, but, but uh, here's the deal. Uh, HagmanReport.com, articles, information, news items, kind of like a, an aggregate of news articles that, uh, contributors write for and we, you know, we, we contribute to. And then of course, um, Homeland Security US.com and, uh, that, that, that's uh, that's kind of my corner that's being developed now and uh, the Christian Marketplace, let me tell you something folks the Christian Marketplace, I want to thank you for everyone who's hung in there with us and looked at it and kind of cocked their head and said what is this, what is this and, and we're confused you know, we are we are really attempting to create an environment, a Christian friendly environment for vendors and for customers. That's what we're trying to do. And and you know some of you have really hung with us and said, Yeah, that's a great idea. Others have said, Well, you know, get back to me when you have your act together. Well, that time is, is time is approaching very quickly. Um, and, and I'm so thankful for that. Folks, I'm Doug Hagman at the with Fellow Investigative Researcher, and most importantly, my son, Joe Hagman. Together, we are the Hagman and Hagman Report, Well, I like to call America's premier father-son investigative reporting team. And we do dig deep into topics that the corporate Illuminati-controlled mass media won't, never will. We look beyond the veil of the misinformation and disinformation to bring you the latest, the most important information out there that will affect your well-being, your status. And we want to thank all of the new listeners each and every one of you thank you for for your support your prayers your kindness your emails uh your suggestions and and you know we do take suggestions very um uh very seriously and 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 it's really it's really great to um to um to get those as well and i just want to give a uh just give a kind of a nod to sadie out there uh you know who I'm talking about. Uh, it's, it's, a one of our very special friends, Sadie. Uh, we're praying for you. And, uh, your, your handlers can tell you that we're praying for you. If you haven't guessed, it's a, it's a family, family dog, uh, Sadie. Uh, of a, of a very, very kind listeners. So, anyway. Um, yeah, I know that sounds like, wow, what, do we know, gee, really? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, dogs are, dogs are people too, right? <laughs> no. Um we have a great show lined up for you tonight. Before we before we get into the show, a couple of things. First of all, I do want to make mention that portions of tonight's broadcast brought to you by Nuts.com. That's nuts.com. Have you gone there? Have you gone there? Oh, I hope you have. I really do. If you go to Nuts.com, <laughs> click on the microphone box there and put in our code HH. new customers. Folks, If you haven't ordered yet, you will receive, with your order, $15 worth, four free samples of, of, um, well, out of over 50 options there. That's nuts.com. And, and, oh, man, they've got the greatest snacks, nuts, pistachios. I guess that would be a nut, right? And and, uh, the owner, it's a family-owned business, and it's really... Just, it's a great business and it's a great fun website to go to and, and if i'm if i may too i just want to give a give a shout out to uh the wholetonnes dot com yeah there're oh i'll tell you something if you feel stressed if you feel um- you know how many people right you know today feel stressed and under the gun and and boy i'm i'm right there with everybody if you're sick and tired of being stressed and overwhelmed and 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 even unmotivated sometimes. Sometimes you just, you you'll, you know, you wake up and you think, man, do I really want to get out of bed? Well, if you're sleeping in a Casper mattress, of course, maybe you don't. But anyway, it, it, you know, if you feel like uh, life is running you instead of you running your life, uh, you're not alone. You can experience really the powers, the scientific proven powers of music therapy with WholeTonesLive.com. Folks, they have a collection of proven music therapy that can help reduce your stress, ease your mind, and even motivate you. And, boy, some, some need to get motivated, right? You can get started today and listen to a free sample of this amazing music that heals and inspires at WholeTonesLive.com. Go to WholeTonesLive.com. More on, more on Whole Tones Live later and, of course, nuts.com later. Not tonight, um, folks, how many people, I want to ask you this question, how many people have heard of Dmitri Dudeman? Oh, I'm sure that name you've heard it, especially if you're an if you're one of the members of the large vast Christian audience that we have I'm sure you know who dmitri dudeman is or 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 was of course he passed away um but now, my next question is: have you visited the hand of help ministries lately do you know who? Do you know who's carrying the torch of Demetri Duterman? and by his own right? Michael Bodea? Do you know him? Folks, we're going to be interviewing uh, tonight a gentleman that, that uh, I know Steve Quayle thinks a lot of. I think a lot of. Uh, Pastor Langford thinks a lot. I mean, I, and I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I'll, I'll just say this. The ministry of Dimitri Dudeman lives on through Michael Bodea, his grandson and translator. I'm going to kick it over to Joe to bring him on and to uh, to uh, go go forward.
2: Yeah, again, we are joined by Michael Bodea. The website is handofhelp.com. That's handofhelp.com. Uh, Mr. Bodea will be at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas, Texas, with us March 18th through the 20th. And as my father said, he was the grandson, is the grandson of Demetri Duneman, and was also the interpreter. Um, Mr. Bode, it's great to have you on the, the show.
3: Well, thank you for having me. I've heard a lot about you guys. This is the first time we, we get to talk. I uh, ran into Steve in Florida, so I, I do know Steve Quayle, a good guy. I uh, love his son, Tyler. Uh, but it's good to talk to you guys again. I've heard a lot about you, and uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll have a productive evening and and get to talk about Jesus.
1: There you go. Amen. That's right. It, it, yeah, you know. And isn't is, you know what? Uh, can I call you Michael? Yes, is sir. Okay? All right, that's fine. Right. Um, I was talking with uh, Steve Quayle yesterday. It was yesterday morning, and it was a kind of a lengthy conversation. And you know what he he said to me. He said in um, many conversations, and in, in many of the conversations that he has had of late, and many of the issues that he's been involved in, in uh, of late, he said, "You know what was? You know what's been missing?" And I, I, I he said, "Jesus, <laughs> it's been it's, it's it's he's not talked about our Lord and Savior is not a part of the conversation." uh and and that's and that's really frightening especially in today's environment and the the prophes- the prophetic uh, events that we see taking place so i'm glad you mentioned that um and well, i know you're,
3: I, I, I uh, you I know. think the world to a certain extent has succeeded in in shaming christians into silence and and mm. that troubles me more than i can put into words because you know Jesus said during the last days men will hate you for my name's sake and it has come to that uh we have the most awkward of individuals the most uh just strangest of bedfellows coming together against the church, against the people of God, against Christians and Christianity. And rather than stand boldly for the name of Christ as we ought, rather than stand boldly for the name Jesus as we ought, uh, we're cowering in the corner as though uh, we're fearful of the world. And, And you have people who choose silence on one end of the spectrum, and then you have the others who are willing to lick the boots of anyone that'll show them any attention, uh, pimping themselves out to the world for baubles and fame. So, uh, the path is narrow, and in the middle are those that still cling to Christ, and I believe that The day is here. It's not approaching anymore. I mean, back during the 80s, my grandfather spoke a very unpopular message that we're beginning to see come to pass today. I traveled with the man for 10 years. I know the things God showed him. I believe to this day that he is or was a a man of God. He was a prophet of God, and God showed him these things. And, you know, to a certain extent, I've been in ministry since I was 12 years old. Uh, On the day that I'm flying out to Dallas to do this conference, I'll be turning 41. So I've been in ministry for for most of my life. Uh, And the thing that I haven't seen until recently is the utter silencing of the people of God. We, we've been we've been shamed into silence. Jesus isn't preached from the pulpits anymore, and we're wondering why the world's going to hell in a handbasket. We're, we're wondering why things are going from bad to worse. We're wondering why the darkness seems to be encroaching upon anything that's sacrosanct. Well, because the church is silent, because the church has lost its light, because we choose to avoid confrontation even at the sake of betraying Christ. And I, I know I sound passionate about this because I am. I, I'm a Jesus guy. You know, first and foremost, I'm a Jesus guy. Anyone that knew my grandfather intimately knew that he was a Jesus guy too. The message for America was what God showed him and it was a message of repentance, not judgment. First and foremost, it was a message of repentance. And, and a lot of people goes, well, how does it feel having done all this? I, I feel like a failure to be honest with you. Because... America has not repented. We're seeing this. We're seeing judgment on the horizon. And we're seeing that the church is asleep. It is indifferent. It is lethargic. It's focusing on the wrong things. I mean, when, when, when you're actually putting up billboards, announcing that you're going to be talking about intimacy in the bedroom for the next 52 weeks rather than talking about the sovereignty of Christ, rather than talking about the authority of the believer, rather than talking about the Holy Spirit, or the power of the Holy Spirit, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, for today, there is something wrong in you calling yourself a church. You know, we see it. I I, I live in a place that's, you know, supposed to be pretty tame. you know. I live in Wisconsin of all places, and I live in a small town, less than 25,000 people, and I look uh, at, at the advertisements the church are putting up and and not one of them mentions Jesus on their billboard. You know, it's, it's either how to work your finances the biblical way. It's something having to do with spirituality, but not outright with Jesus. It's something having to do with how going to church will make your physical life better, but not how repentance is necessary for you to be reconciled unto God. So, you know, I, I'm sorry. I, again, go ahead. I, I, I apologize for interrupting, but I get excited.
1: You know, you, no apology necessary, and I, I love it when a guest is passionate. We love it, Joe, and I love it when a guest is passionate, and you have reason to be passionate. You have, um, I, I mean, you've got really uh, messages, and uh, multiple messages to provide to the Christians out there and to the even the non-Christians and to just to the listeners. And, you know, we're we're going to give you a lot of latitude, as much latitude as you want, because, you know, I can, I mean, a spirit-led conversation can be in part a spirit-led dissertation. And that's what, uh, you know, I want you to feel free to do. We want you to feel free to do, give you that latitude. Um, but before before we go too far, can you speak of, I mean, what, uh, we've gotten a couple of, uh, since we put up the article uh, or the uh, uh, announcement of your your appearance, what was your, you had mentioned your relationship with uh, your grandfather, but um, c- can you tell us a little bit, give us a little background as to, as to you know, what, um, give us a little bit of background between you and your grandfather <laughs> and, you know, what you All saw, right. if, if you don't mind, if that's okay.
3: Ah, that's perfectly fine. I, I, I respected the man because he was the same behind the pulpit as he was at home. Uh, that That, in a nutshell, was my grandfather. He was a simple man. Uh, he detested being honored, he detested being lifted up. Uh, He was a man that insisted all honor go to Christ, And, and I try to model my life after that, because I saw the wisdom in it. Because the higher you lift someone in today's day and age, the further they have to fall. We build up our idols just to see them come crash into the ground because it makes us feel better about ourselves. So that, that was one of the things that I appreciated about my grandpa. My grandpa was my best friend growing up. My dad worked all the time. We came to this country when I was nine years old. None of us spoke the language. My mother began cleaning homes uh, you know, uh, around the community in California where we used to live. Uh, My dad had a full-time job, so I hung out with my grandpa. And even before that, uh, in Romania, he's the one that taught me how to swim. He's the one that taught me how to fish. He's the one that built me my first slingshot. So I had a very special relationship with my grandfather. Uh, That notwithstanding, if I'd seen any sort of hypocrisy in his life, I don't think I'd be here today. Because I'm not one of the... (laughs) Let me back up a little bit. If you preach the truth in today's day and age... Uh, you're not going to be what the world might deem a successful ministry. So, I'm not in ministry for the sake of money. This is not a profitable endeavor, preaching the truth. Uh, I consider myself intelligent enough to come up with some Joel Olsteinisms. Uh, but I choose not to because I see the emptiness and the vapid uh, futility of what he teaches. So I choose to cling to the truth and that is not profitable in the eyes of the world. So if I'd seen that there was any inconsistency or any incongruity between what he preached and what he lived, I, I would have been out of there you know, in a heartbeat because I, I gave up my childhood, I gave up my teenage years to travel with my grandfather and he was sickly most of the time. Uh, he'd been persecuted, uh, he was Tortured, he was put on the electric chair. He was a Bible smuggler, and and I know in today's day and age where everything's offensive and and, and uh, we're, we're easily chagrined that everything everybody says, uh, you know. Oh my gosh, he was a Bible smuggler. That's breaking the law, and and it goes to show just just how foolish our mindset has gotten in, in this Westernized culture where everything is glut and excess and hedonism and flesh. You know, we we persecute the men that came before us whose shoes we will never fill uh, because they smuggled Bibles and it was against the law. It was a communist system. It was against the law to be a Christian. It was against the law to pray. It was against the law to actually possess a Bible in Romania. And this is apparently what we want in this country because a, a, a cryptic a mummified communist is running for president and he's actually just gaining steam in this country and I'm flabbergasted because if you talk to anybody that's lived under communism or socialism if you want to you know, be dainty about it will tell you how horrific it is they will tell you that once socialism gets its claws into the people once socialism takes over all they want is to be the only ones people have hope in And so the reason that communism so fought against Christianity and Christians back in the communist days of Romania wasn't because they they hated God. I mean, Marx did, and he had a lot of uh, writings about God and, and, and how God was supposed to be antithetical to Marxism. But the reason that the communists fought Christianity so hard in places like Russia and in Romania was because God gives hope. And the worst thing that that a socialist system or a communist system can have is people hoping in something other than it. You know, I mean, we were indoctrinated from when I started going to kindergarten. They'd tell us that the motherland will provide everything. This is your mother. This is your father. There is no God. And I'd go home and go through detox with my grandpa for another four hours. There (laughs) is God, and this is his word. And we'd start to pray, and and it was beautiful. You know, it it was one of these back-and-forth things, but because I saw the practical living out of my grandfather's faith, my mother's faith, my father's faith, my grandmother's faith, I I found Jesus at a very early age. And I surrendered my life to Him, and I'm one of those dangerous Christians that believes God in His Word. I'm one of those dangerous Christians that will go to the utmost for the sake of Christ, and will defend Him to the death. Because I don't think that there was ever a time for mealy-mouthed, spineless Christians. But today is certainly not a time for mealy-mouthed, spineless Christians. And I know the old saying, well, Jesus is big enough to defend himself. I'm sorry, that's a cop-out. That's cowardice on its face we're supposed to defend the name of Christ we're supposed to defend the gospel of Christ we're supposed to be the light in the world we're supposed to be the salt of the earth we're supposed to be those people that call out sin and say this is wrong I don't care about political correctness I don't care about your idea of tolerance I don't care how you define diversity this is perverted and it's wrong period and none of us have the temerity to say it at least those that are in spiritual leadership in this country uh, you know, somebody actually you know, has a bad dream and, and wakes up and, and has the strength of character to say something, and then the next day they apologize for it because of the pressure that's brought upon them. Look, we need to stop apologizing for the truth. But again, I get sidetracked. Back to my grandpa. He was grandpa. To me, he was grandpa. To a lot of people, he was a prophet. To a lot of people, he was a man of God. He was those things to me as well. But first and foremost, he was grandpa. And I think that God allowed him to go through all the suffering that he went through. And, and the man suffered beyond anything that I can imagine. Uh, I mean, he couldn't even make a fist because they'd broken his fingers so many times. It, it, was, it was just crooked. He couldn't even hold a fork or a spoon right. Uh, the things that he went through were utterly horrific, but God seasoned him through that so that he would have the strength of character to stand before thousands of people and say, judgment is coming to your nation if you do not repent. And because he had such a powerful testimony, people actually stood up and took note, people actually listened, people responded, people repented, people fell on their faces before God and and came before Him in sackcloth and ash. Not, Not a majority by any means. But God is not a collective. God God doesn't save collectively. He saves individuals. So I praise God for every soul that sees the need for repentance even today. I praise God for every soul that sees the need for a relationship with Christ and not just some sort of, I don't know, fire insurance that they think they get because they give 10% of their money to some church or another. You know, Jesus is about relationship serving God is about serving Him every day of our lives, not just on Sunday morning, or, or by giving a faith seed, because I love these new terms that we come up with, just, just the idiocy of it all. But, you know, again, Gravel was one of those, you know, shoot from the hip guys that, that had the Word of God at his foundation. He says, you know, if you're going to dispute what I say, dispute it biblically. If you have an issue with the things I say, dispute them biblically. And, and nobody could. Because the reality of the situation is that God judges sin. And up until this point, God has been merciful because what he's been doing is he's, he's been warning this nation. But I think the warnings have ended and judgment's going to begin, and once judgment comes, there no longer remains any room for mercy. This is, this is what a lot of people today don't seem to grasp in the church. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the church. There is such an ignorance regarding the end times, regarding prophecy, regarding the things that God has shown His people, because I do believe that God still speaks to His people. I do believe that God still uses dreams and visions and prophecy as revelatory tools to warn His children of what is to come, as well as guide and direct and instruct and even rebuke individuals and nations alike. Look, it was never God's intent to keep us in the dark. One of the most laughable things I've heard, and this was from a TV evangelist. Well, God's just as in the dark as we are about tomorrow. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And I'm sitting there wondering how much it's going to cost to replace the hotel television if I threw a Coke can at it. You know? (laughs) What kind of fool are you to believe that God doesn't know the end from the beginning? You know, it was never his intent to keep his children in the dark. The world is supposed to be in the dark. The world is supposed to be fearful about tomorrow. The world is supposed to be uncertain. The world is supposed to be unhinged. Not the children of God. We are not supposed to be ignorant. We are sons and daughters of God, and we need to start acting like it. I will not kowtow to the world. I will not bow before the world. I'm a son of God. I don't need their approval, they need mine. And this is the mindset that we need to have as children of God. We need need to stop cowering in the corner and and actually stand up and be bold in the things that we believe in. God knows the end from the beginning. This This is a most amazing revelation for His children. And as hard as it might be for some to wrap their minds around, God is outside the realm of time and space. He's not constrained by it. God's not surprised by tomorrow or by what will occur five years from now. He already knows. He's seen it play out. And when he so chooses, he warns his children for the specific purpose of having them draw nearer to him and solidify their relationship with him. See, there is a purpose to prophecy. There is a purpose to revelation. And it's not to lift up a man and it's not to give a man a ministry and it's not to grow somebody's, you know, I guess support base is, is is the word that we like to use in today's christian parlance you know it's it's to warn his children that they steady themselves they steady their hearts they solidify their relationship that they steal and cement themselves in christ because only in christ and through christ will we weather the storm that is coming you know it god doesn't down. god Wait,
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. If, if boy, I just I I didn't mean to take you off of your uh, just wondrous uh, soliloquy here. But can, if I can ask a question, because you had mentioned about God does not keep us in the dark and He does speak to people, and I believe that I I really believe that there are people out there uh, who are receiving downloads or information from, from God through dreams and visions. But but here's my question. And and by the way, I, I truly believe that your grandfather um really was I mean, he lived the life. He smuggled Bibles, he was tortured by the communists. He I mean it was just his his life is incredible. And folks you can read about this at hand of excuse me, help dot com. But my question to you yeah, and maybe this is on the minds of so many people listening to this. How do you know? For, for example, there are thousands, maybe tens of thousands. Anyone with a with a GoPro and a microphone and a YouTube account can get on there and say, "I heard from God today," or, or you know, I, "I I had this dream or vision." My question is: How do you know the?
3: And, and, and that's the rub of it, isn't I it? Know. Yeah. Because, because it, it, again, I, I encourage every believer to be the most skeptical individual on the planet. All right? Because it's, people have realized something in today's day and age. They realize that it's one thing to hear a message from a guy named Bob. It's quite another to hear a message from a guy named Prophet Bob. So right. the title gives... You know, the title itself gives men authority they would otherwise not possess. Uh, and, and for many, it's tempting to throw a title in front of their name just to make people listen to them more. Uh, the way to know is... Look, again, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptical sort of cat. Uh, I, I don't believe everything I hear because I've been in ministry long enough to know that uh, a large portion of what I hear is gut feelings, is educated guesses, and one of the surest ways that you can know something's fishy is if a prophetic word, and I'm using quotations even if you can't see me, uh, is, is trying to compete with CNN for the breaking news. Uh, God warns his people ahead of time, and he does so early enough We're in... It's it. It seems improbable, illogical, and even impossible that such things would happen. Uh, back in 1984, when my grandfather received what he received for America, and when I started traveling with him, uh, I started traveling with him uh, in 1989. But you know, he started. He was talking about communists causing a revolution in America, and people would look at him as though he had a tinfoil hat on, and, and and he was seeing aliens. Uh, they they didn't understand it well now we're seeing a resurgence of communism uh we're seeing a most divided nation we're seeing uh, that it's only gonna take one lit match uh to t- to set this fuse ablaze and we're seeing that everything is coming together prophetically this was back in nineteen eighty four uh it's be skeptical. The word of God says, "Test all things." If somebody is too insistent on the fact that they're a prophet, that's to me that's a warning sign. If someone tries to praise themselves and bring attention to themselves, uh, that's another signs. I I've uh, I actually did a radio program uh, a few weeks ago. And 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 I entitled it The Seven Cardinal Rules of the Prophetic. Uh, the, the, there are rules. And, and one of the most important rules for those people that, that believe God spoke to them is that they not editorialize. Uh, don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. That is, to me, the golden rule of prophecy. Don't take it upon yourself to editorialize. Don't take it upon yourself to clarify. Don't take it upon yourself to expound. Don't take it upon yourself to make clear something that God did not. And a lot of people are tempted to do that. If God shows you something that is confusing to you, don't try to clarify it in your mind. This is All you are is a reporter. You report what you saw. You don't try to bring attention to yourself. You don't try to highlight yourself. You don't try to make yourself... uh, so important as though God could only use you, uh, don't melodramatize uh, was another rule. Uh, the fact that God spoke through his Holy Spirit to you concerning something uh, is dramatic enough. Some people have a flair for the dramatic, and, and, and they do the pregnant pauses, and they do the, the whole hand gesture thing, and I'm like, look, just speak the words. If the words are from God, it's God who will anoint the words and the words will take root in people's heart and it will stir them to repentance. If any prophetic word does not have repentance and the turning towards Christ as as, as its final purpose, as its goal, as its target, then again, something is fishy. Look, we're not supposed to just swallow anything and everything because the word of God warns us repeatedly throughout. Even Jesus himself said, "...in the last days..." false prophets will come. There will be many false prophets and they will deceive many because right now there is a glut of YouTube prophets out there and everyone's got their own little community and everyone's got their own little niche and right now we're having this this war of wards. I'm not engaged in it, but I hear others are. You know, who's the most watching of the watchmen and who's the most prophetic of the prophets? (laughs) You know, I'm sorry if if you're in that, if if your mindset is, is about defending yourself personally, if you're mindset is about lifting yourself up personally then then the least you need to do is take a step back search your heart repent and make sure that the reason you're doing what you're doing is still for Christ and it's still for the kingdom of God because if if your intent is not the kingdom of God then even if you have the biggest ministry of the world it's all for naught you know another rule is don't personalize it's not about you it's never about you. It's about the message. And this is one of the things that I learned from my grandfather. He never highlighted himself. He said, This is what I saw. This is what the angel of the Lord showed me. Take it or leave it. You know, once you deliver a message, your duty before God is done. Your hands are clean. You know, it becomes the responsibility of the hearer to do with the message what they will. You know, God could just as easily have given the message to someone else, uh, He could just have easily delivered it by any other means. So don't don't make it about you. It wasn't so you could seek out the spotlight or make some money off of it or somehow build your kingdom on earth around this message that God gave you. Everything that God has given our ministry is freely available on our website. The only reason that things are in book form is because people asked for it because they wanted to pass it out. So sure, we put it in book form. But everything that we've ever received, prophetically speaking, is freely given. It's on the website. People take it and do with it what they will. Uh, I, I, there have been people, and I've been bitten by this. There have been people that have taken our messages, and then again, they broke the number one rule. They tried to editorialize. They tried to explain it. They tried to interpret it in their own understanding rather than just let it be. You know, again, the, the Word of God that is given through the mouths of men will lead you to Christ. If it leads you away from repentance, if it leads you away from Jesus, if it leads you to the flesh, then run. Don't walk, run. Reject it. It doesn't matter whose mouth it's coming from, just reject it. You know, because every year, without fail, there, there, there's some self-proclaimed prophet somewhere insisting that this is either the year of their breakthrough, this is the year that it's going to all turn around, or this is the year that it's all going to end. Uh, you know, ever since, who was it? Harold, poor, poor Harold. He was looking for Jesus' <laughs> coming until God just said, shut up, Harold, and give him a stroke, you know? Uh, you know, he, he's the one that, 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 that sort of started the trend of every single year, there has to be something. And, and Christians go about holding their breath from one date to the next, rather than living out their faith. You know, I'm, I'm not looking for the end because the end will come whether I'm looking for it or not. I'm looking to live my life for Christ every single day as though it were the last day of my, of my life here on earth. Because that's the only way that I can be effective for the kingdom of God. If, if I'm looking towards a far off date and I start to calculate, well, I have so many days, I, I can take it a little easier, uh, you know, or, or if I believe it's, it's tomorrow, I start to panic, you know, it doesn't matter to me. I'm safe in God's embrace. I'm buried with Christ in God. That is the purpose of our walk. So everything else, yes, God speaks, yes, God warns, but it's not to scare us. If a message that you hear causes you to be fearful, it's not of God. If a message that you hear, however, leads you to repentance, then hallelujah. It is of God. So that's that's my take on that whole thing.
1: And and you know what, folks? We're talking with uh, Michael Valdia Jr., the grandson and translator, grandson of and translator for Dimitri Dudeman. His website, their website, Hand of Help Ministries. It's Hand of Help Ministries. It's linked off of our website, handofhelpministries.com. And you know one thing, uh, Michael, I've noticed, I, I did notice, I've gone through the prophetic utterances of your grandfather and yours as well. And what you mentioned. Very straightforward, very matter of fact, very messenger like as opposed to editorializing or in even extrapolating an interpretation and and i, I there, there's a <laughs> i mentioned that because there's a distinction there with a the difference but so i really appreciate that but man i'll tell you something reading back through those and spending some time reading through that it really um uh, it really awakened me but thank you for that explanation because i, and I, and I don't think i'm alone and, and because people are really confused today saying well who do i believe and what do i believe in? who do i listen to and
3: Well, look. look, First and foremost, Jesus. Go to the Word of God. You know, the Word of God has enough in it for you to understand His love, to understand His grace, to understand His mercy, to understand the outline of the end times. If if you only have time to do one of two things, listen to a prophetic word or read the Bible. Read the Bible. I tell you this, as somebody who runs a supposed prophetic ministry, because people think that we're a prophetic ministry, we're more than that. Uh, Again, we need to be complete believers. Because there are a lot of Christians whose spiritual growth has been stunted because they focused only on the avenue of prophecy. Look, prophecy isn't all that there is. We, we, We need to form relationship with Jesus. We need to have a relationship with Christ. Prophecy is there so that you don't get surprised, so that you don't get shocked, so that you don't react as the world reacts when something happens, so that you look at it and say, yes, God is good, and He is gracious, and He's merciful, and He spoke to His children beforehand. And because He spoke to His children beforehand, I wasn't shocked or surprised. I didn't have that moment of of a deer in the headlights. I, I reacted instinctively and immediately, and led people to Jesus, because whether we like to admit it or not in in those moments of catastrophe uh, anybody that has a head on their shoulders and they're not panicking uh, will lead the way and so, if if you are in Christ, clothed in Christ, shrouded in Christ, and, and that happens, that, that moment comes where everything is chaos, the only thing that you need to do is point the way to Jesus, and I guarantee you, more people than not will seek Him out, because they will see the peace in you. They will see the joy in you. They will see the fact that you're not fearful like the rest of the world. I will not react like the world reacts to anything that is happening around me, because I'm a son of God. I will not react in fear I will not react in doubt, because I know that He leads my steps. I know that I am under His protection. We need to understand who we are in God's eyes. I'm not like Bob Tilton. I am the apple of God's eye, and I can be an alcoholic, and God will still love me. But God prizes us. He loves us. He loves us to the point that He sent His Son to die, so that you and I may be reconciled unto Him. For us to think that he just dropped us here on the spinning rock and left us to fend for ourselves is foolishness. But we need to learn to hear his voice. Look, my hope, my biggest prayer, and I pray this almost every evening before I go to bed. Lord, make prophets or people that say they're prophets, but, but just make the gift of prophecy as far as somebody or a third party giving a word unnecessary in the church. Let every single individual hear your voice for themselves. Because that would be a complete body. That would be an act's church. If every believer that gathered together heard the voice of God, and when they all heard the voice of God, they'd hear the same thing. Because God wouldn't contradict himself. God is not the author of confusion. Because I've heard... uh, Prophetic battles, as it were. One person giving a word and the other one giving another word, countermanding the word that the other guy gave. And I look at this and going, both of you are being used by the enemy because God is not the author of confusion. God's true word will lead you back to Jesus prophecy will lead you back to Christ. And so, if, if you have doubts about anyone, including myself, or my grandfather, I'm not, I'm not demanding that you believe. I'm asking and begging and beseeching you. Turn to the Word of God. Turn to Jesus. Because in the end, that relationship that you forge with Him today is far more important than you knowing and cataloging, cataloging every single prophecy that's been given. Uh, because if you have a relationship with Him, you learn to trust Him. Uh, uh, over Over the course of, what, 28 years now, I've learned to trust God implicitly. There have been dark moments, there have been dark days, there have been troublesome days, there have been trials, but throughout it all, I saw the hand of God, and because I saw the hand of God, my faith increased all the more, and so did my capacity to trust Him. I'm at that point where where if God says jump, I'll jump without even looking where I'm jumping, because I trust Him, He is my Father, He loves me, and I love Him.
2: Amen. Michael, uh, how do we get people who are in the church, um, you know, enthused or or back into the scriptures? Uh, I see so many people today, uh, you know, even in and out of the church that have this attention deficit mentality. It's been created by the instant, you know, news and instant gratifications culture that we have. How do we get people enthusiastic and back on fire for the Lord, even those of us who are in the church?
3: But that, that that's that, that's a loaded question because the only thing that we can do, the only thing that is an incumbent upon us as men to do, is preach the truth. It's it's the truth that has to stir them to action. Uh, and, and the amazing thing about the truth is that those that hear it will have a reaction to it, whether positive or negative. You cannot hear the truth and remain indifferent towards it. It's an impossibility. So either you will have an aversion towards the truth and walk away from it, or you will be drawn to the truth and desire to know more of it. So our duty, this is where the church has failed, in my opinion. We stopped preaching the truth. We thought that by preaching a diluted gospel, that by preaching a watered-down gospel, we would attract more people to the house of God, but we never took into account that the people that we attracted to the house of God were lukewarm to begin with, people who didn't want a change, who just wanted fire insurance, people who were so much phlegm in God's mouth to begin with. So we need to get back to the standard standard of preaching righteousness in the house of God. We need to get back to the standard of preaching holiness in the right, in the house of God. We need to have a standard again. How about that? Uh, you know, I and I hate pointing out all the things that are wrong in the church, but a lot of people don't see it as wrong. They've been happening for so long that people don't go, "Okay, that's not biblical." Because so much that's happening in the church isn't biblical, that what's one more thing? So, you have men who consider themselves the spiritual authorities of this nation, who have no business being in spiritual authority over anyone because they don't meet the minimum criteria of what it is required to be a bishop or to be a deacon or to be an elder in the house of God. So, you have compromised men, men who are laden down with sin. Leading congregations of 20, 30, 10,000 people just because they look good in a suit or they can wear skinny jeans or, or or because their their messages, I'm not even going to call them sermons, their messages are so close to what Tony Robbins teaches that they spiritualized it a bit and people respond to that. It's the flesh that responds to to, to a message about self. It's the flesh that responds to a message about, well, God loves you, and He adores you, and He understands your frailty, and He'll hug you the way you are without requiring anything in return. I'm sorry, Jesus said, go and sin no more. So... Don't speak those last words if you just says, well hallelujah you're saved but go and sin no more is required in order for us to remain under the covering of god and so the church needs to get back to preaching jesus it needs to get back to preaching righteousness it needs to get back to preaching the whole gospel and not just those handful of verses that they like to talk about all the time like the woman that made the pancake for the man of god first because, man, if you turn on Christian television, that's 90% of the sermons. The widow of Zerophath and how she made the pancake for the man of God first. You know, it, we, we've made it, we've monetized everything. We've merchandised everything. And we realize that once you build a beast, you have to feed the beast. And in order to feed the beast, you have to grow your ministry. And I'm using air quotes again. Uh, and in order to grow your ministry, you need to compromise the truth just a little more. Uh, I I don't think a lot of these guys started out bad, uh, but I think the pressure was to grow rather than remain faithful. And as they grew, they walked further and further away from the truth. They walked further and further away from the light. And now you have men calling themselves preachers or pastors or evangelists that have absolutely nothing in common with the Word of God, that have not mentioned the name Jesus in their sermons going on years now. So it's it's tragic. And the only hope for this nation is the church. The only hope for this nation is the people of God rising up and being lights once again. So if we fail in that, we're done for. There is no hope.
1: Amen. You're right.
2: Uh, we have about eight minutes left until the top of the hour, uh, Michael. And um, how about this? We are going to be meeting in Dallas for the Hear the Watchmen Conference coming up on the eighteenth, nineteenth and twentieth uh in Dallas. And for those of you who don't know, you can go to Help with Hand Ministries, you can go to Hagman and Hagman dot com or you can go to Hear the Watchmen, hear dot com Michael, do you have a, a topic of discussion ready uh that you're going that you know you're gonna be talking about in Dallas?
3: Uh, I, I do. Uh my my brother Daniel, uh he he's the one that takes care of everything. He's he's the logistics guy. I'm horrible at logistics. I'll be the first to say it. So uh, he, he said, they need a topic and they need it now. I, I went <laughs> into my office. I, I prayed for five minutes. And, and the one thing that came, and it came clearly, is peace through the storm. And that's going to be my topic because the storm is coming. It is imminent. Uh, it is something that is unavoidable. And the children of God need to have peace through it. And so my, my, my entire, I guess, soliloquy, if you want to call it, or sermon, is going to be about having peace through the storm and how we can do that. Uh, because we're not, we're not supposed to react like the world. Man. I, I'm seeing Christians that are more uh, more fearful of what the future holds than the world is. Uh, that's that's not supposed to be our position. Our, our position is supposed to be faith in Christ and overcoming through Him. Now, if God speaks to you something personally that you should be doing, then do it, because God spoke it to you personally. But a lot of people, and this is another issue that, that I have with with the church today, a lot of people take a personal conviction, and they try to make it a general law for everyone. Uh, and, and and it's just tragic Because look, the word of God Has the foundation of what we're all supposed to be doing Anything else beyond that Is personal conviction And your personal conviction may be very different than mine But you're still my brother in Christ Because Jesus is Lord to both of us He just asked something different of you Than he did of me uh, So yeah, my message is going to be peace through the storm And so uh, it's It's coming together in my heart and in my head I don't know what it's going to be in the end, because I'm, I'm not one of those guys that, that does layouts or that writes out sermons in advance. I believe that uh, in order to allow God to inspire, you need to allow God to inspire. So I'm going to be fasting and I'm going to be praying. Uh, I know some of the guys that are going to be there. I know uh, Pastor Dave Langford. He's a good friend. And so those of you that are contemplating whether or not you should come, I do believe with all my heart that it will be worthwhile for you spiritually. Uh, I, I got
1: to tell you, M- Michael. I got to tell you, just now. You and I have never spoke uh, d- directly, but to hear you tonight on this broadcast, and, and folks, I hope you share this broadcast with others because just the the uh, just this hour, uh, Michael Bold- Boldia, what he said, so relevant. But in addition to that, if you like what you hear, if you can hear. The uh, the Holy Spirit inspired message, uh, man. The just listening to to Michael and Pastor Langford, that alone is worth the price of admission for Dallas. So um, make sure you you hook up there. But I, I'm just so excited to have you on, and I'm so impressed with with the delivery, the message, the well, not the delivery, but the message. But the delivery helps. Thank you very much. <laughs>
2: we have a, an email. Uh, Uh, This is from a a JK. They go on to say uh, about Michael Bodea, I love that man. I wish you would put his Rediscovering Christ on CDs. Would you please ask him to consider uh, doing so? It is fabulous. Can you explain to the audience the uh, audio part on your website, the Rediscovering Christ? uh, Ah,
3: okay. Yeah, Uh, I... I spent a lot of time in Romania. Our our ministry uh is 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 basically on two continents. And so until our baby came, I, I have an eighteen month old daughter, so life has changed dramatically. But I used to spend about six months out of the year in Romania. And uh since back then there was no Skype, I used to record teachings. Uh, on on one of these digital recorders, and then I used to bring the di- digital files back to the U.S., and they got uploaded to the website. Rediscovering Christ is is, is basically uh, 15, 20-minute teachings on, on the person of Jesus. Uh, it, he is the central figure of, of, of humanity, of history, of the universe. He is the Christ. And so we, we, we can go all of our lives... Continually rediscovering him, I believe there there is no shortage to jesus uh, and and the more you get to know him, the more in love you fall uh, it 's just tremendous for me i 'm one of those people that gets easily distracted and i've i 've started a lot of things that i didn 't finish. Jesus was always one of those things that I stuck to because he always intrigued me and because I I know with all of my heart, without doubt or equivocation, that he is the son of God. He came, he died, he rose again, he's forgiven my sins, I'm made new and clean through him and in him, and there is nothing more than Jesus. So that's what the the rediscovering Christ was. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked again.
2: Oh, no, not at all. I, I do appreciate that. I have not had the opportunity or have not listened to them yet, but um, seeing them on the website and then seeing the the emails that have been coming in about the uh, messages, I do plan on going and listening to them. And I hope all our listeners would would check those out at handofhelp.com That's handofhelp.com, Mr. Bodea's website and um, bookmark that website and um, check out the audio content. And you also have other content as far as uh, the writings of Dimitri Duneman, you have current projects and teachings that you uh, have ongoing here, and the dreams and visions sections, and there's also links to their social media sites, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, etc., and um, again, Mr. Rodeo will be a speaker at the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas coming up March 18th through the 20th, Um yeah, this yep. March, just in in two yeah. months
1: from today, will be the the final Gosh, day of uh, the conference.
2: That's right. Wow,
3: oh, that it, close!
1: Yeah, it it, it just kind of creeps up on oh, you. So I got to buy some fresh shoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and we we love this because, folks, talk about insight into the conference, and, and just I mean, this is to, to me this is one of the most inspiring. Uh, Uh, hours that I've spent uh, in in a long time and I mean inspiring it stirs my spirit and and speaks to me directly now uh, on the other side of the top of the hour break Michael if if we could uh, I'd just love to get into your well the combination if you don't mind of what your grandfather had uh, had seen for this country and you had alluded to this earlier very powerful because right now I think we and Joe and I were talking about this earlier and Eric too uh, the, the Eric or Tech and even J.D. I mean all of us in in Rhonda we, we, we're, we're saying you know we're at a at, at a hinge moment in time at a hinge point and, and I really you know you're having the blessings or having the uh, having seen what your grandfather talked about and 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 what he had seen, and what you have seen, maybe you could paint for us a picture of where we're at now, and, and perhaps what you see coming, if that's okay with you,
4: that or any other correct.
1: All right, we're
2: going to take a quick break. We're going to be back on the other side uh, with Michael Bodea. The website handofhelp.com. He is the grandson and interpreter of Dimitri Duneman. We'll be back with our number two right on the other side of the Hagman and Hagman Report on this Wednesday, January twentieth, twenty sixteen. Stay with us.
5: This is the Global Star Radio Network.
2: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2016. We're coming to you live from northwest Pennsylvania. Our guest tonight is Mr. Michael Bodea, grandson and interpreter of Dimitri Duneman. His website is... Let me put my website... Browser. Back Hand, of help, Hand of help Ministries. Yeah. I don't know. why I want to say that backwards. But Hand
1: of Help Ministries dot com. We're going to get back to him in just a brief second. Yeah, if I can just uh, just mention this. You know, I, earlier I spoke of WholeTonesLive.com, dot com, and you know, we do believe in the biblical restoration the biblical roots of restoration when it comes to frequencies and there's a whole big scientific aspect to it and, and, and physics as, aspect to it, but it's biblical first and foremost. And you know what, folks? We had Michael Terrell on our show and he explained how music in particular, Whole Tone's live music was inspired by the music frequencies of King David. Remember that show? It was fantastic. What an interesting show. So, if you are one of the many who are stressed and tired and overwhelmed and you feel overwhelmed, you feel like life is running into, into the ground instead of. Uh, you know you taking advantage of your life obviously scripturally you need to you need to really be immersed in scripture but but there's a force multiplier i like to call it a force multiplier and that is the scientifically proven powers of music therapy now this is not anywhere near new age this is uh, again, scientifically and biblically, uh, solid. It, it's, what they have is a, is a collection of proven music therapy. And, and this is being used at different hospitals. Walter Reed, actually, um we've heard some, from so many listeners. In fact, one of our, uh, one whole, one happy whole tone, uh, the whole tones live music client said, I started playing whole tones throughout my work day. Not only was I more creative and motivated, the work I was doing seemed easier and Clearer, and, and I found that to be the case personally and professionally because we do use all of the products we endorse. WholeTonesLive.com. dot com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. You got to check it out, folks. You go to the website right now, WholeTonesLive.com, dot com, and download a free sample of their music. Support this broadcast. Support Hagman and Hagman. And go to WholeTonesLive.com. dot com. That's WholeTonesLive.com. dot com. dot com. And I also want to take a nod to. To, uh, our good friends, AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. You know, we, we, need to pay the bills here. And, dot AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com, they're a Christian owned, veteran owned company. They have just fantastic preparation supplies. Even Lady, our studio dog, agrees. We brought her in earlier today to, after romping in the snow. So that was her little two cents into, um, AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com. Folks, check out their sales. AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com and of course they are the sponsors of Hear the Watchman conference as well, Hear the Watchman and, and we've linked off of uh, American Survival Wholesale where our guest tonight, Mr. Michael Boldea Jr. will in fact be speaking and if you heard the first hour, if you don't have tickets to to Hear the Watchman Michael Boldea alone would be my one of my reasons. After hearing this, if I didn't have tickets, I'd be scurrying for those tickets before they were gone, because I'd want to sit, and I intend to to, to sit. Well, I guess maybe we have to. um uh, <laughs> I'm not sure, but <laughs> uh, but uh just to listen to him, the inspire. I mean, talk about inspiration and biblically sound. Wow! So I'm going to kick it over to Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Absolutely. We have uh we
2: will be joined with Mr. Baldy until the end of this hour. And uh Mr. Bodea came on to talk about the, the conference and to talk about Jesus and uh, a number of other things there's a report out of Breitbart two thousand and fifteen saw the most violent persecution of Christians in modern history uh, we 've seen this trend in the Middle East as the rise of ISIS has continued and the overthrow of of nations and dictators has continued uh, mr Bodea I know your your grandfather, Mr. duneman, as it says in the on the website uh, help of hands hand dot com it says it gives a brief history of what your grandfather did as a uh, a Romanian pastor, helping with the help of the American government smuggling Bibles back into Romania. How he was brought to America, how God brought him to America, to deliver a warning about impending judgment upon the country. We see the destruction and the persecution of Christians throughout the Middle East, and we see that intensifying. Um, based on on what your grandfather taught, how long until we see it here, or will we see it here in America?
3: Uh, Six years ago, the message that God started putting on my heart was persecution is coming. Uh, And once again, I'd get blank stares from people in the church because we're so disconnected from the reality of persecution, and we've been fed this lie for so long that we're not supposed to endure, we're not supposed to sacrifice, we're not supposed to suffer uh, because we're special. We've been told we're special for so long that we actually believe it. But it's been about six years since I started preaching. Persecution is coming, uh, and I think that it's on our shores. We will see Christian persecution in America because your faith will have to cost you something. Uh, right now, there's a lot of casual Christianity, uh, and 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 that's just it's tantamount to lukewarmness. And God God needs to sift His people. He needs to sift the church. And when persecution arrives, we will see just how few remain standing when all is said and done. Because I I know we can start with the platitudes, well, Jesus wins in the end. Well, yes, he does, but the question isn't, will Jesus win in the end? The question is, will you remain standing until the end? Because the word of God says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's not something that I've made up. I wish it were different, honestly. I wish it said, the big Jesus chariot is coming and he'll take every American that says Jesus to heaven before any sign of trouble. It's not going to happen. Biblically, it cannot happen. The Word of God says it will not happen. But we're still teaching this fraudulent gospel in the church. Uh, what my grandfather saw was was basically what we're beginning to see uh, the genesis of in America. He said, I, I repeated this first phrase every single time he gave his testimony, and we traveled for ten years. And we traveled pretty much nonstop. I mean, we were on the road nine months out of the year. And it wasn't because we had a great publicist, because we didn't have a publicist. We had one telephone number, and it was to our apartment in Fullerton. There were seven of us living in a two-bedroom apartment, and our ministry was in our living room by the couch that my grandmother slept on. And so my mom would answer the phone, but churches would call left and right. Can he please come and share his testimony? And so I repeated the following line so often that it's seared in my memory, it will begin with an internal revolution spurned or started by the communists. And the one thing I've been looking for uh, as far as America is concerned as well as globally is a resurgence of Russia, which we've seen. I believe the Russians are making some brilliant moves as far as aligning themselves. They've aligned themselves with the Chinese. They've aligned themselves with the Iranians. Uh, Every turn basically it seems that we've got egg on our face. Uh, the leadership of this nation is either wholly incompetent or uh, treasonous. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know your guys' politics, but I'm an honest guy, and this is the way I see it. I, I, I think that at this point, either you're a complete buffoon, you're completely incompetent, or you're a, treason- you're, you're a traitor. I, I, I don't see a third option here. Uh, So, with with everything that's happening, another thing that I was looking for in this nation was uh, tensions, civil unrest, and I think we're beginning to see more and more in that. We're, We're seeing an erosion of respect for authority in this country. You know, I'm sorry. When a policeman pulls me over, I say yes, sir, even if he's younger than me. I'm pushing, you know, 41 now, so a lot of young policemen are are younger than me, but I still say yes, sir, because I I respect the badge. I respect the authority. Whether he was right to pull me over or not, we can talk it out, we can hash it out. Uh, But we've taken that and we've stripped the idea of respect. We've stripped the idea of authority, especially from young people. There are millions upon millions of people in this nation that are disenfranchised, uh, and, and it's going to get so much worse when the freebies stop flowing, because, uh, I, again, I, I know I may put my foot in my mouth, but I, I'm willing to do that. I, I think that you can only tax a system so much before the system breaks down. Uh, as, as my grandpa used to say when we had a cow and a calf, uh, you know, you can only suck at the teat so much before it starts giving blood and stops giving milk. And I think we're, we're, we're getting close to that, where the system uh, can't support all the takers anymore. And we, we need to cut somewhere. And when you start taking away from those that have gotten used to receiving, uh, that's when you're going to see uprising in this nation like you wouldn't believe. You know, so these are the things that I've been looking for to, to to sort of gauge the timeline, and I think that we're beginning to see it, uh, both in this nation and globally. As far as persecution is concerned, Christians are already blamed for everything. I've been called every name in the book, and I'm sure you have to, homophobe, xenophobe, intolerant, blah, 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 and all because I, I say, this is what the Word of God says. You know, I, it's standing for the truth and standing for the word of God is now an act of courage and bravery. And I, for the life of me, especially in America, I, I can't fathom that because this was a nation once upon a time that actually clung to the truth. You know, and, mm-hmm. and we have and, and we have all these false narratives that that, that are popping up. Uh, from the world and from the church. I, I actually had a back and forth with a guy for almost a week about shellfish and mixed uh, mixed clothing, because in the Old Testament it talks about that, and it's within the same context as homosexuality, so if Christians eat shellfish, why is homosexuality wrong? And, and I'm trying to explain to him that, that in Corinthians and in Revelation, it doesn't say that outside are the people that eat shellfish or, or wear mixed clothing. But it does say, "outsider, the adulterers and fornicators and liars and homosexuals and sodomites." It gives the list of those who are shunned from the face of God, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't mention eaters of shellfish, you know. And, and he's, oh, but but maybe you know, and and they're trying to justify their sin because, in the end, many people love their sin more than they love God, and that is the tragic reality of the time and the season that we're living in. The reason some churches are so big today is because. They give license to sin, to individuals who are unwilling to part with their sin. And so, people having itching ears will seek out those men and those women that will allow them to keep their perversion, that will allow them to keep their sin, their vice, their habit, whatever it is that they don't want to give up. And if you're unwilling to give something up for the sake of Christ, whatever that something might be, then you're not worthy of His kingdom. It's just the reality
1: amen brother and and if i could just add one if i can interject one thought here or a couple of uh connected interconnected thoughts you know our, our politics in quotation marks air quotes if you will um is this we believe we are a captured nation now against the backdrop of your experience your grandfather's experience your family's experience with communism we here in this studio sitting here do not believe that what we see happening is a result of incompetence we 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 see it as a result of deliberate takedown And, and they're striking at the very moral and uh our morality and our christian faith and and look, we understand that many of the forefathers were deists and 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 had some pretty wild uh connections you know and so on. We get that, however, the people of this nation, the founding the puritans the um and, and then that that common core thread through the uh through the uh uh uh, for the population Judeo-Christian beliefs and ethics and morality and, and guides and the, the Holy Bible that was the book, it was in schools it was in churches, it was in homes It was they, they were tattered it was used by people So, it, but, but that all changed back um, of course in the 20th century and, and it really exponentially changed and began uh, well even being outlawed in the 60s with prayer and such but But having said all of that, you know, you are so absolutely correct that in the larger sense, and and I believe this to be true, using your experiences, the experiences of your family and grandfather, so valuable, and, and, and using that as a warning, a barometer of things that are today and have yet to come, and in that context, you are so absolutely correct. So, when you, when you, you know, do not pull any punches because we believe that, yeah, we are uh, under, uh, under, under judgment based on our past and current actions. And we believe that we've, we've gone so far from the word. And, uh, it's just, it's just, you know, there, there is no fear of God in this country. Oh, there's fear. Oh, there's fear everywhere, but not of God. That's just and, my And
3: the says. fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That right. that that is the crux of it. But but see, well, if you take a, a logical look at the situation that we're in, th- what is happening is more nefarious than communism itself. Because w- with all its faults, especially in a country like Romania, which is a smaller country, the family was still prized. They still insisted on the notion, the idea, the value of family. What's happening here is is the utter destruction and deconstruction of the notion of the family unit. And if you take away the notion of family, you have removed the foundation of civilization. And... I, I realized the, the planners, I guess is the best way I can put it, have a plan. The problem is, once you let a rabbit dog off the leash, it's just as likely to bite the individual that let it off the leash as it is to bite the guy that you want him to bite. Uh, I, I think th- they're they're playing with live ammunition, and they have no idea how it's going to turn out. And, and at the same time, you have an entire world that's basically a powder keg. You have the Middle East that... that It's just, there's a struggle for dominance, and right now we've given Iran a foot up, uh, which was a very, very bad idea, because their intentions are very clear, their message is very clear, but when God blinds the eyes of a nation, when God blinds the eyes of leaders of a nation, they do counterproductive Counterintuitive and sometimes even self destructive things. I, I I think this is just this is what just happened with our deal with Iran. It was counterproductive and it was self destructive in the end. But when God blinds the eyes of men, men do very strange things. Uh we we can't afford to keep our heads in the sand and pretend as though something's not happening because it's not affecting us personally. You know, I there's a lot of believers that think that if you ignore the problem, it'll go away. Uh, it won't. This this will not go away unless and until uh, righteousness stands brave and strong once more... This, this will not go away, and it's only going to get worse. And they will find a way to vilify believers. They will find a way to vilify Christians. They will find a way to marginalize us. And then, from marginalization to persecution, it's a stone's throw. You won't even believe how fast it's going to come to that. But it, it, it was all prophesied biblically. Jesus said, they will hate you for my name's sake. And so, Paul himself said... All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so the question is this, do you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? If your answer is yes, then be prepared to suffer persecution. Because Paul didn't say some, he didn't say a majority, he didn't say 10%, he said all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution and this is one of those things that isn't talked about in the church because the only thing the church is concerned with is prosperity and abundance and having more and having mansions and buying the pastor a new Bentley you know this is what the church has become we've become those self-saint people Jesus whipped out of the temple you know and we're unwilling to stand for the truth because it's going to affect our bottom line Men who ought to do better know that if they actually grow a spine and start preaching the truth, their income will be cut by half at best and they're unwilling to give it up because they've gotten comfortable, they've gotten lazy, they've gotten fat, and they go, well, somebody else is going to take up the reins. Why should it be me? Why should I be the one in the front lines who's going to take the cannonball to the face? Let some other moron do it, and I'll just, whenever they start picking up steam, whenever they start getting popular, I'll come up behind them and go, yep, yep, I, I agree with that man. I agree with that man. And so there's a lot of people right now jumping on the bandwagon, as it were. There's a lot of people jumping on the Watchman. bandwagon. Bandwagon and the judgment bandwagon and all that. But, you know, and, and if they're younger people, I'm okay with that. But if you've been one of those people that have actually written extensive articles condemning anyone who preached repentance and judgment, and now has had a change of heart, I'm sorry, I'm not going to trust you. Not at first anyway, unless perhaps you had a a, a Paul or or Saul of Tarsus experience on the road to Damascus and have finally seen the light. But there's a lot of people that take advantage of the people of God. There's a lot of people that fleece the sheep coming and going. And right now, this is a hot topic because it's, it's unavoidable, it's undeniable, it's there. You know, back when nobody else was preaching this but some Romanian guy that got tortured and David Wilkerson and a handful of other people, you know, it wasn't so popular. And people used to mock and laugh and write letters every other year. Well, we're not judged yet, (laughs) ha, 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 ha. You know, and, and, and you took it with a grain of salt and you kept preaching the message because you knew that it was God who told you to preach it. And now we're beginning to see all these things come together globally and nationally. And, and all you can do is, is be in awe of it. Because if if one thing is true in the Word of God regarding the end times, then everything must be true in the Word of God regarding the end times. And what's coming down the pike, what we see biblically speaking, within the span of a few months and a couple years, it is going to be catastrophic on a global level. There's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide, the only place is Christ, and, and this is why one of the reasons that I chose the topic of the conference to be peace through the storm, because there will not be one individual on the face of the earth that will be unaffected by what's about to descend upon the world. It's, it's, it's gonna be a global issue. It's not as though, well, you know, I'm going to move to France, or I'm going to move to Aruba, and I'm going to be spared. It's going to be a global issue, because the economies are shaking, they're getting ready to crumble, the enemies of this nation are sharpening their knives, there are barbarians at the gates, there are men who have no compunction about cutting off other people's heads simply because they will not convert to their barbaric religion, and all these things are happening all at once and the church is sitting there blowing bubbles and picking its nose.
1: Very well said. Wow. Yes. Well, where do we go from here,
2: uh, Mr. Bodea? As a church, as a a remnant, we see, you know, my dad uh, had made the distinction, and we talk about the salvation issues versus non-salvation issues and the divide that is seemingly, you know, Ninety-five percent of the debate and divide comes from these non-salvation issues, such as you know the pre- or post-tribulation rapture, uh, even the, you know down to the flat Earth versus spherical Earth. Um, we see the the arguments, the petty arguments in tr- inside the church. Um, where where do we move? How do we move the body? Or is it going to take uh, you know some hard times and and some actual going through things uh, ourselves as Christians to move us out of this? mode of, of being petty and, and um, dealing with these non-salvation issues in a way where we get them out of our, our minds to the point where we're only focused on the salvation issues.
3: When when our focus becomes Christ and Christ alone, uh, all the rabbit trails cease to be. Uh, I, I think we're divided as a church uh, because we've had it too good for too long. I, I think the day that you will have to pay a price for calling yourself a Christian is the day that a lot of these big-time churches are going to be empty. They're going to be homes for, for, for bats and owls, because a lot of people calling themselves believers uh, are, are unwilling to sacrifice anything for their faith. You know, th- This is why uh, the enemies at the gate are so dangerous, because they're willing to lay down their lives for the lunacy that they believe. Not only are they willing to take lives, they're willing to lay down their lives. And Christians aren't even willing to live righteousness now, when, when nothing is required of them, when they don't have to suffer for their faith. Imagine what will happen when persecution comes. I, I, I think another thing that we have to realize as, as believers, as sober-minded believers, because the Word of God tells us to be sober-minded, is that if you're walking down a bridge over a chasm. Whether you veer left or you veer right, you're still going to fall to your death. You know, there's a lot of people that are veering towards being libertine, uh, towards being altogether godless and still calling themselves Christians, but there's also some that are veering towards self-righteousness, who who believe that their works will save them in the end, uh, who think that just because they don't do something and somebody else does it, Uh, that the Bible voices no opinion about they're more righteous than that individual. Uh, Look, your righteousness is dirty rags no matter who you are. My righteousness is as dirty rags before God. And so we need to understand that, that there's a narrow path and we must walk the narrow path. We can't veer off to the left or veer off to the right. Jesus needs to unite us. Jesus needs to be the foundation upon which we stand and we can agree upon Jesus if we can agree upon Jesus, then then, then we have a, a a place from which to move forward. You know, the only reason that I have an issue uh, with with the pre-trib or post-trib is is because those that are pre-tribulationists aren't preparing their hearts to endure any sort of persecution. They're not purposing in their hearts to suffer if they're called upon to suffer because they believe the Jesus bus is coming, and so you know, when the constraint comes, when when, when they begin to, to be crushed into the earth, when they begin to be persecuted, they're going to question why Jesus didn't come, because they believe in the doctrine more than they believe Jesus. You know, they believe in the pre-tribulational doctrine more than they believe that the Son of God watches over them, that all things work for the good of those who love Him. And so, they will deny Jesus because they're not prepared to suffer to the end. He who endures to the end shall be saved. It's one of those things that we need to have stenciled on our fridge to see every single morning so that we can come to terms with it. It's it's, it's a bitter pill to swallow, especially if you grew up in a country like America uh, where, where you've never seen or heard or, or experienced the notion of persecution. Look, I cannot believe... In, 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 a, in a pre-tribulation taking away because my family lived tribulation. They lived persecution. Everything that we had was taken from us. We were kicked out of our country with two suitcases. I saw my grandfather beaten and bruised. I saw him lying on a bed for everyone waiting for him to die. I, 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 I saw the man being skeletal. I saw his flesh starting to smell from, from the beatings that he took. He couldn't move. He, he, he was dying before everybody's eyes. So don't tell me there's no such thing as persecution or that God won't allow it. Don't, don't give me that nonsense that oh, we're his bride and he's going to beat us up before the wedding night. No, he's going to purify us. Mm. We we misunderstand what it is to endure for the cause of Christ and the fact that we're purified and made all the more beautiful in His sight when we endure for His name's sake. See, because we don't understand it. We're we're disconnected from the idea. But ask Christians in the Mm. Middle East that are being crucified. Ask Christians in the Middle East that are being beheaded if they believe they're going to go through tribulation. I'm sorry, God's not going to spare America just because we're Americans when everybody else is enduring for the cause of Christ. You know, well, you know, he's going to have to take us out before it comes here. Why? (laughs) You know, and and, and if we give give that pedantic answer, because we're Americans, I I, I don't want to converse with you anymore. I I don't want to have that conversation. Because all men are equal in God's eyes. He is no respecter of persons. And That's if right. God is if God is no respecter of persons, and there are believers laying down their lives for the cause of Christ today, what makes you think the same will not be expected of you?
1: And, and that brings me to an interesting, or it, it hopefully brings everyone to an interesting um, realization. I mean, we can, you know, Michael, we can see what's happening here in America. And, and I think Americans, and, and to a large extent, those people in the West, but Americans specifically uh, we have like you said we've had it for we've had it good for so long we've never experienced that persecution the level of persecution that you your grandfather your family had in Romania under that that communist oppression and tyranny more than that the, the persecution and, and we we need uh, we, we, we need to understand that uh, we, we, we can't we really can't afford to look at the current situation through the lens of a Westerner or through the lens of an American, we have to take, I think we have to take a bigger look at this, but I I said all that to say this, uh, you know, we, again, I, I just feel right now this, and I said this the other night, this quickening, this exponential quickening of events, it seems like things are happening so quickly, so fast, so... Uh, and we're getting pummeled from every direction. We are looking at uh, uh, now. It, it, and you had mentioned this during the break uh, about uh, my goodness. We we are our, our morality has been deliberately perverted. The family has been deliberately redefined without the biblical backbone of or the, the structure of the Bible. Everything is just askew, and we have the leadership, political and spiritual leadership, that are pushing us, pulling us, compelling us, saying that we must tolerate this, when in fact tolerance itself of this, tolerance of evil is evil itself, I guess. And and that's my point but, but well, continue, please.
3: Because, because like the enemy is fond of doing, uh, we have leapfrogged over the most important question, I, I, in the church at least, as, as far as the Christian church is concerned. Is homosexuality a sin? If we can answer this question, then no piece of paper is going to make it right in the eyes of God. If homosexuality is still a sin, then it's going to continue to be a sin. If God still finds it abominable, if it's still evil in His eyes, then no piece of paper will make it righteous. The problem is, the enemy isn't looking to legalize homosexual marriage. He's looking to pervert God's creation. And with every single step towards that perversion of His creation, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And what astounds me is that we're willing to go along with it. We're willing to call Bruce Jenner Caitlin now because he put on a dress and some lipstick. Your name is Bruce. Go get your head checked. Why, why, why are we going along with this nonsense? Why are fully grown adults who are supposed to be logical and reasonable in their thinking going along with, with this lunacy? It's amazing to me. And the church is wholly silent on the subject. E- even worse, there's actually pastors sort of insinuating that, you know, David and, and, and Jonathan, they had a special relationship. We don't know if it was that kind of relationship. And I'm sitting there going... What could possibly make you say that? But then I realized it's the bottom line. It's it's the dollar. It's the money. Because they realized somewhere in their research that there's a lot of homosexuals that have disposable income, And if you could just throw them a bone, if you can just say something nice, if you can just give them some hope that they can cling on to their perversion and still be okay with God, then that's somebody that they could get behind, no pun intended, you know? And and so we compromise truth for the sake of baubles. We compromise truth just so the world could wink at us and smile at us and we can get on Larry King and try to apologize for the Word of God rather than defend it. You know, this is Christianity today. If you think that we're those soldiers standing on the citadel, beating our chest, or those soldiers fully dressed in armor, ready to do battle with the enemy, you've got the wrong picture in your head. We're children. We're spoiled children. We're children who have not appreciated the grace that has been shown us. We are petulant children We keep stomping our feet and and, and, and screaming at the heavens for more when God already gave His best, when God already gave His Son. Here we sit, stomping our feet, asking for money and asking for fame and asking for houses when God gave us Jesus. It's astounding to me. But see, what we don't appreciate, what we don't value, gets taken away from us and so that we understand just how much grace was shown us. Look, I believe that America was shown grace. I believe that America was shown mercy. We have the freedom to worship freely as yet in this nation. But soon that's going to come to an end. And you will realize just how much time you wasted on, on foolishness, on, on tangential things... That only serve to divide rather than unite the body of Christ. Because honestly, some of the conversations that the church is having don't deserve to be had. With all that's happening, with the darkness encroaching upon everything that is sacrosanct, we shouldn't be having some of the conversations that we're having. I actually had people call me a heretic and tell me that I was gonna go to hell because I took Christmas Day off and cooked a chicken for my wife. <laughs> So, there you are. Well, you shouldn't say the word Christmas. I'm sorry I said the word Christmas. The devil's getting his way. Let's stop saying the word Jesus. Let's stop saying the word Christ. Let's stop saying anything altogether. Because somewhere in the Greek or in the Roman, you know, if you say Jesus, that that, sounds like Zeus, and that's the Greek God, so you have to call him by his Hebrew name now. And all this stuff where I'm sitting there going... What happened to simple worship? What happened to coming together in love and in unity and in fellowship and crying out to God for boldness to do what we must in the face of darkness? What happened to the believers of old, the Church of Acts, where they were threatened with death? They were threatened with death! Not with a fine, not with a prison sentence, with death! And rather than abide, rather than go along to get along, they got together and they prayed for boldness to preach the truth. And it says the place where they were shook on its foundations, and the Spirit of God was poured out, and they left that place preaching Jesus. We need that today. We need it in America. We need it in Romania. We need it in the world, man, because the darkness thinks that it can roll over everything. And it's doing it. And so very few people are actually willing to put themselves on the line. So very few people are actually willing to say, I don't care what you take from me. I'm already his. I'm already dead to this flesh. I've got nothing for you to take anyway. So I'm going to preach Jesus until you try to shut me up. And even when you try to shut me up, unless you pull a bullet in my head, I'm still going to say it. Jesus is Lord.
1: Amen. Amen. And I hope the people listening, please share this with the people that you know, your fellow Christians. Share this in fellowship and in love because this is so important. And you know, I am, I mean, this message that you are speaking today speaks directly to my heart, and I am energized by this. And I hope others, and I know others are as well. I mean, it's so much packed into so. I mean, it's just an incredible amount of information. Yeah, go ahead. And if I could,
2: uh, what you said about being bold and and having the boldness and asking for the boldness that the church acts, uh, each individual believer needs to do this today as we see, you know, as you said and pointed out, the church is embracing homosexual marriage and homosexuality before the Supreme Court even came down and made it a ruling. We have, you know, the Pope, uh, the head of the Catholic Church, you know, saying there are many paths to, to Jesus and a personal relationship with Jesus outside of the Roman Catholic Church is dangerous and promoting the interfaith uh, movement. Um, we have an emailer, Jennifer, who wanted wants me to ask um, you, Michael, to, to discuss since there's no safe geographical place to be when the tribulation comes, the only safe place is in God's care as you talked about on another show before. Some people are planning their escape from America, but there will be no safe place uh, but in God's will, and that that's from Jennifer, uh, with all these, um, you know, we see the, the heads of the churches of, of any and every denomination and the bodies as pretty much a whole accepting these uh, sins as part of and, and conforming to the world rather than sticking to the precepts of the Lord. Um, how would we guide or tell, what would you tell the, each individual believer to do? Should they step out and create their own underground churches? Should they step out and, uh, you know, make their own, Uh, if they're going to stick to the sound doctrine their own radio shows uh, because there are so many Christians individually that that are trapped in these worldly church systems
3: Look, if, if you're attending a church that doesn't preach Jesus, why are you still attending it? If you're attending a church that has embraced sin why are you still attending it? If, if, if your desire is righteousness before God, it says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there. Not two or three thousand. You know, w- we need to understand that the whole, the whole history of the church began with the notion of a home church. Men gathering in people's homes, breaking bread, praying and reading the word of God. Look, you can have a relationship with Jesus without attending a place that, that you need to walk 17 miles from the parking lot to the church. You know, if, if they're not preaching the truth and you desire the truth, you don't need to be there. Walk away. Stop sending them your money. The only thing that will hurt these individuals is 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 not getting supported financially anymore. Because they've built their kingdom, they cling to their kingdoms, and they're willing to compromise anything and everything to hold on to the illusion of power that they have. But if you desire righteousness unto God, the best thing that you can do every morning, before the rest of your family wakes up, go to a quiet place, open the word of God, read a few verses, and just pray. Look, God revels in the idea that his children want fellowship with him. I I, I didn't understand the love of God for mankind, truly or completely, until I had a daughter. Her name's Victoria. And when she started walking at around nine months, the only thing that I needed from her to to bring me to this place of complete ecstasy is for her to come up to me and, and reach up her arms, for me to take her in my arms, and for her to lay her head on my chest. At that moment, there was nothing on the face of this earth that I would have traded for that. God's desire as father is for you to come and lay your head on his chest and it gives him joy when you do this it's not for you to move mountains, it's not for you to try to build something it's for you to spend time with him to fellowship with Him, to get to know Him. And the more you get to know Him, the more He'll begin to speak to you. Because there's a dialogue there. It's not just you speaking into the ether. God hears and God answers. And you begin to hear the voice of God for yourself. And you begin to feel the unction of God for yourself. And you begin to see the plan of God for your life all the more clearly. Because you're spending time with Him. God's singular desire is relationship and fellowship with you. He sent His Son to die so that He could have that with you. And you don't need to be in a conglomerate. You don't need to be in, in a denominationally approved congregation. You don't need to be in a church where the pastor does have a diploma from seminary in order to feel and have relationship with God. You need to be willing to set aside the time and seek His face. And you know what? The amazing thing about the God that we serve is if you seek Him, you will find Him. God's not hiding from you. God's not playing hide and seek with you. If you haven't found God, it's because you haven't looked. That's the reality of it. Because the Word tells us if you knock, He will open. If you ask, He will give. If you seek Him, you will find Him. And if you ask for good things. He will give you good things because He is a good and merciful God. But He's also a righteous God. And He's also a just God. And He is a God whose justice demands that He judge the sin that is so pervasive in this world. And there's a verse in the Word of God that that should be a word of warning to a lot of churches today. Judgment begins in the house of God. It doesn't end in the house of God. God God doesn't get around to the church after he's judged the world. Judgment begins in the house of God. And I think that very soon we're going to see God's judgment be poured out on his children first. On those who have his name on their lips but not in their hearts. Because it's one thing to say, Lord, Lord. It's quite another to serve him and worship Him as King and Lord. Because there will be many on that day, the Bible tells us, who will say, Lord, did we not do so and so? Did we not preach in your name? Did we not hear you? And He will say, depart from me, I never knew you. See, there's a lot of children, there's a lot of individuals walking around believing that they're children of God when they're illegitimate at best. God wow, doesn't know horrible. you. <laughs> if you don't know Him, God doesn't know you. I'm not, I'm not talking about knowing about Him from a third party. I'm not talking about knowing about Him from the messages that you've read or the messages that you've heard. I'm talking about getting on your knees and seeking His face and getting to know Him personally. Because a lot of people that are week after week are illegitimate children. God doesn't know them because they believe that's what the pastor gets paid for. He gets paid to know God on my behalf. No, a true shepherd, let's say, gets paid. He shouldn't. You know, I, I again, it's one of those things. It's a pet peeve with me. Because every single apostle had something on the side that they could earn their daily bread doing. So they didn't have to be dependent on people. So they didn't have to be pressured into changing the message and twisting the message and and molding the message to suit people's desires. You know, a lot of pastors are slaves of their own success. They've built a ministry, they've built a church, they've got to cush salary, they've got to cush parsonage, and now they have to do the bidding of those in leadership because if they don't speak the things that they like, he gets fired. Look. a a true man of God will tell you the truth even when it hurts you to hear it because he loves you enough to risk his friendship and relationship with you in order to see you in heaven one day and shake your hand and that's the truth of it
1: Hmm. fantastic wow we only have about 8 minutes left of your appearance with us you've been so generous and so on point and so inspiring and so informative in the, in the remaining eight minutes what haven't you covered that maybe you feel led to cover or discuss or even if it's just uh, yeah, I mean wherever you want to take us the floor <laughs> is yours I mean seriously alright I'm, uh, I'm not even sure I could formulate or articulate a question That's just been so We've been blessed. I mean, this is fantastic. I we, I could talk to you for, or listen to you for <laughs> hours.
3: <laughs> well, so. I, I think the one thing that's pressing on my heart, I, most of all, is that uh, w- with everything that's been said tonight, I know in my heart, I have to believe it. I know that God still has a remnant. And, and for those that are truly seeking his face... And for those that are on their faces before God, that are cementing their relationship with Him, that are growing their strength, that are growing their spiritual maturity, that are beginning to exercise the gifts, uh, the message that, that that is on my heart for tonight is, don't grow weary. It's It gets tiresome sometimes. I People consider me a young man, but I feel like I'm 85, man. I've been beaten up. Uh, you know, the old saying, road hard and put put out wet. Uh, because it takes a toll on you. There, you. You can't fight the fight and come out unscathed. You can't fight the fight and not have a few bruises and a few scars. You know, if your armor is resplendent and shiny, I don't trust you very much. Especially if you call yourself a warrior for Jesus. If, if, if your armor is, is bruised and, and, and if you've got nicks and, and there's dirt and there's blood, then I'll call you a brother because I know you've been in the fight. And for those of you that are clinging to Christ, don't grow weary because it's going to get a lot darker before it gets light. And a lot of you are, are, are going to have nothing to cling to but to Jesus. And the one thing I need to tell you tonight is that Jesus is enough. If you have Jesus, you have enough. If you have Jesus, you have all that you need. Because the world is going to get darker. Believers will become more fractured because deception will make its way within the household of faith and try to divide Christians in ways that that we can't even imagine right now and i'm not saying this because i've received revelation about it i'm saying it because the bible tells us what the end times will look at will look like look couple that with everything else that's happening in the world and you need to have fortitude you need to build up your spiritual endurance you need to be steadfast in looking to jesus the author and the finisher of your faith, don't look to the left or to the right, look to Jesus. And no matter who it is speaking into your life, make sure that they're speaking the words of God. Go and compare their words to the Bible, because the Bible is the plumb line and if what they say contradicts the word of god no matter how much you respect them no matter how much you revere them although you shouldn't be revering men anyway walk away right. because men of god don't contradict the word of god and that's pretty much the message that's 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 what i felt led to talk about because we're going to get tired it's it's going to be brutal And the enemy's not going to rest, because his desire is to destroy utterly and completely the children of God. But God will always have his remnant, he will always have his children, and those he will strengthen, and those he will reveal himself to, and those he will equip with power, and those will shine like the sun, because that's what the Word of God tells us these end times will be, the children of God rising up and shining like the sun.
1: Wow. Folks, our guest since the top of the show, the beginning of the show, uh, Michael Boldia, in his website, handofhelp.com. That's handofhelp.com. Visit his website. Support his ministry. Check out his newsletter. Check out the photos there. Read the prophetic utterances, the visions of uh, Dimitri Dudeman, his grandfather, and, of course, Michael Bodea himself. And, and look at the content. Check out the Truth Be Told audio. Uh, there's so much enrichment there at that website. It, there really is. Michael, if I can ask you kind of a, oh, I don't know, maybe a left-handed question, question out of the blue, before before we let you go. Um, Maybe this is an unfair question. Maybe this is not a question for the end of the the program, but we know it's late. We know the visions, the dreams, the information that you have on your website is is bleak. How close are we? How close to that persecution in, in this country and all throughout the West? I mean, we're seeing it happen now, but I'm talking about the hammer down hitting the metal the type of persecution that your grandfather was How close are we to that?
3: I, I, I don't mean to be vague, but all I will say is that we're close enough where if anyone's still on the fence about preparing themselves spiritually uh, they should get to it because mm-hmm. when it comes it will be sudden. It's not going to be a gradual thing uh, it, it's not going to be the frog in, in, in the boiling pot of water uh, I, I think the enemy knows that his time is short. And I, I believe the enemy, realizing that his time is short, is intensifying his plans on on every level. So when persecution comes, it will be sudden, and it will be quick, and, and we need to have prepared our hearts and purposed in our hearts to stand for truth long before that day comes. I, I'm hoping we have another ten years to preach the gospel. In my heart, I know we don't. So that's that's the answer that wow. I
2: will give. Wow. I want to thank you for coming on, Mr. Bodea, and we will invite you back before the conference. Um, you got an open invitation before or after the conference. And we've received many positive emails and and thank yous, and um, people just saying that uh, your message tonight really touched their hearts, and that they uh, w- can't wait to hear you in Dallas. They can't wait to hear you again on our show. And some are even wondering where they can hear you in the meantime, if anywhere. Um,
3: uh, actually, we yeah, have it, we have a little thing on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday night at six p.m. Central. It's called the Light of Truth Radio Broadcast. Uh, so that's that's I, I do that every week because I, I like the dialogue with people. We, we 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 answer questions, and tomorrow's topic is Chris Lam and how Uh uh, the heretics in the church have betrayed Jesus. So it should be fun.
1: Oh, Light of
2: Truth Radio broadcast on Block Talk Radio. Yes, folks, we uh, broadcast on Block Talk Radio. What time is that show? 7 o'clock. 6 6 p.m.
3: Central, yes.
2: Yeah, 6 p.m. Central, 7 o'clock Eastern, Light of Truth Radio Broadcast. And folks, uh, since it's on Blog Talk, you can get the iTunes or, or the archive off of iTunes or any podcast application. Mr. Bode it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show. Can't wait to speak to you again and can't wait to meet you in Dallas.
3: God bless you and thank you for having me.
2: God bless you, sir. Thank you for your time. Folks, we'll be right back for our third and final hour after these short messages. Stay with us on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report.
5: This is the Global Star Radio Network.
2: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour on this Wednesday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Today is Wednesday, January twentieth, 2016. In case you've joined us late, our first two hours, we were joined by Mr. Michael Bodea. He is the grandson of Dmitry Duneman and was his interpreter, and he spent two hours with us sharing an incredible message that is very uplifting and uh, timely for this day and age. And I'm going to
1: turn it over to my dad. and. You got to turn Yeah, him. I guess I got to turn turn on the the microphone. Um we we got a couple of emails saying, "Who was that? Does he have a website?" It, yes, he does. In in fact, if you go to Hagman and, and look at the uh article there right below the the, the big uh, uh video um about tonight's show, it'll lead you directly to his website. His name is Michael Bodea, as Joe said, uh, grandson of Dimitri Dudeman, um, handofhelpministries.com. And wow, he's going to be at the Dallas, uh, here at the Watchman conference. So make sure, I mean, just that alone, my goodness. So there you have that. And, and you know, before we get back to the programming, I just want to, I want to mention we have so many great sponsors, so many great people, so many great companies nuts.com is exactly one of them nuts.com folks as i mentioned earlier nuts.com has a special for anyone who hasn't ordered new customers if you if you're on the fence thinking about this go to nuts.com and enter in the microphone box hh that's for hagman and hagman hh and here's the deal with this Right now, new customers get four free samples to choose from. You can choose from over 50 different options. It's a $15 value when you go to nuts.com and enter our code HH. Again, that's nuts.com, enter our code HH for four free samples with your order. you got to go to nuts.com for full details, and you can spend really a long time there looking through all of the delicious snacks, nuts, dried fruit my goodness and you know the site is so simple to operate it lets you search search exactly for what you're looking for you can buy by the case or by the pound they're certified organic certified gluten-free with or without salt raw sugar-free and and folks it's a hundred percent satisfaction guaranteed you can choose from many of your favorites my favorites of course would be the Oh, the dried fruits, for example. Or, or you know, I, I, I'm a coffee person. I do like the... Uh, they've got 39 different coffees and over 170 flavors. And even if you bake, they've got great cooking and baking goods. Almond flour, chia seeds, spices, grains... Anything that you want to throw into a smoothie, for example, they've got them. They use only the freshest products from the best suppliers in the world. And just as a point of reference, when I first talked to Nuts.com in preparation of, I'm talking about how we're going to talk about them. To my surprise, the head nut himself got on the phone, dragged them away from a quality control inspection. That's how hands-on this company is family owned since 1929 folks right now go to nuts.com microphone code hh to claim your four free samples 15 dollars value with your order you can't go wrong and i want to also mention too um you know we are working diligently and and you're going to be hearing more and more and more about this the christian marketplace we are relaunching that and the people who have stuck with us god bless you thank you thank you and you know something oh, how great it will be to have a a website that that features christian-owned businesses such as american survival wholesale and and and, and um healthmasters.com and other other entities. But, but i got to just say, you're, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. You're going to see a remake of that shortly. So keep that in the back of your mind. More to follow on that. In the meantime, so many things to get into. So much news. Baltic Dry Index, you know. Man, folks, if you don't see, if you don't think that we're in trouble, we be in trouble, okay? A couple uh, hours ago from yeah. BBC, global stock markets fall amid
2: oil route. Hmm. One of many financial headlines that are talking about the instability of the oil market. I believe it was down below $27 a barrel.
1: Yes, yes. And and understand that what we're seeing here. This, you know, you have to go back a little bit in time to really understand um, how this all started. We we probably should mention we're opening the phone lines tonight for if if you'd like to call in, Let's open the phone lines the number is eight four four seven nine seven six
2: nine two nine four four that's eight four four seven six nine two nine four four we're going to be taking calls uh concerning any news and current events if you have any comments
1: about our guest tonight, we'll be happy to hear from you about that also yeah, I just want to finish my thought on this on the oil you know the um while Americans and people in the West rejoice over low gas prices or Prices at the pump. You've got to understand what 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 what's behind this. This is a uh, proxy war, an asymmetrical assault against Russia by the West, by the NATO countries, and it started back well, well back uh, d- during the Arab Spring. What was the Arab Spring about? Well, that was the destabilize regions in the, in the Middle East. It wasn't. It wasn't a spontaneous reaction by uh, you know, a guy with a tire who set a tire on fire in Tunisia. Well, that, 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 that's the narrative that started this, but we are seeing the culmination or the final chapter, or if you're in the sports, uh, maybe the final quarter or the final period in the game here uh, of this realignment of, of powers. But what we're seeing in terms of the oil prices is an assault against Russia's economy by the west by the and i'll say neocons because that's exactly you know following the plan of pnac and, and other uh, uh neocon if that's the and i know that word is rather pejorative but but you've got to call it as they are Um uh, bottom line here this is an asymmetrical war oil is has been weaponized the petrodollar of course and and now Russia and China are doing an end-around of the dollar for oil, and of course our response is to lower the price of oil and to bankrupt Russia because Russia, of course, has a certain the budget, uh, their budgets, and just like our budgets, you've got um, the cost of of oil, and it's if it goes too low. It affects the budget. Well, in this case, it's affecting Russia's budget, but but see, it's a tit for tat scenario, as Benghazi was um, really an attack to that had the, that had the consequence of exposing the weapons running operation to uh, arm and arm the rebels in Syria or the terrorists in Syria, the Western terrorists. The I'll call them uh, Kissinger and. Brzezinski terrorist, okay, and McCain terrorist to topple Assad, which would be against the interest of Russia and China. So all of everything that we're seeing today is connected, including but not limited to the price per barrel oil uh, situation. So rejoice while you can. Put that you know, hey, you know, understand that uh, yeah, it's you can fill up your SUV for. Thirty-five bucks, maybe, or whatever it might be. Uh, you haven't been able to do that in a number of years, and you mm-hmm. think all is good, right? Think it's all good. Well, not necessarily. Well, but can enjoy the lower gas prices
2: as we've been gouged for so long. Well, right, but understand. I mean, it that it comes for, at a price. It does, but it also allows for more money, you know, for other things, uh, other essentials, food, you know, energy, uh, living. The, the cost of living as that has increased, we have not been seeing breaks in the price of living and the price of, of you know, uh, feeding ourselves or anywhere else. So to see it uh, finally in, in the oil and the gas
1: sector, uh, I'm not going to complain about it. At the same time, we do need to understand what it means. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, just understand. I, I guess that's all we're asking for is that level of, of your understanding because right now in addition to the spiritual preparations the practical preparations are important as well and if you know what's going on out there more than the average bearer you are able to not just help yourself and your family but inform others and i know that's an uphill battle folks we do it all the time and people don't want to hear it their heads are in the sand but you know what you know what (laughs) it's worth it and it's necessary because we're not going to get through this alone on a practical sense. So we need to, we need to start, uh, as Ross Powell and, and Steve Quayle said on Monday, we need to gather, you know, create these alliances. Not that we're on Survivor Island or whatever that was, but, but we need to create some, uh, some alliances so we can survive what is coming. Because, uh, there will be rewards on the other side, you know, so. Having said that, but again, give us a call, and let's, uh, you know, call Eight, in now. Yeah,
2: 844-769-2944, and my Google Maps does not have a Survivor Island. Uh, well, you yeah. yeah, <laughs> so no. Let's what go. was that, Survivor? Yeah, the show something? Survivor. Yeah. Um, but let's go to the phones now. We have a few callers lined up. We're going to go to Troy in South Carolina. Troy, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report.
0: Hi, Doug and Joe. It's Connie kind of Lake, Troy. Haven't called in, in a long time. Hey, buddy. Um, yay. Um, I just wanted two short things. One, I was listening to your guest tonight and, uh, I got to confess I haven't been going to church for a while because we are trying to bring up, uh, issues to some of my friends at church and stuff like what you discuss and Rick Wiles and Pastor Bagley. And they kind of give you that smile and nod look. And it's like it's almost you get the impression that everybody's going to get taken out of here before things get bad. And um, I just finally quit going. And and I'm just trying to stay in the Word, and I'm trying to get back into it again, because it's like you listen to everything that's going on, and um, you're not hearing it from mainstream churches. And it gets hard. And it put, and I'm going to be honest with you. It puts a toll on my faith. It's, it's like who's nuts, you know? I, I look at myself in the mirror and I go, God, Father, don't they get it? Don't they see it? And I miss going to church and worshiping. It's almost like I got to stay home and 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 be in like in an underground church. And um, yeah. my, go ahead.
2: No, I, I agree with you, and it. It does become, um, you know, I don't want to say draining on, on your faith, but it, it, you start to wonder, uh, why people aren't, aren't as a whole or more in, in bigger numbers coming out of the church seeing the same things that we're seeing and aren't being concerned by the same things or, um, why the Lord isn't showing them or putting it on their hearts to, to step away from, um, certain institutions that are not continuing to do and promote his work as, as they're sanctioned to do, as they set out to do and why people continue to uh, and I think Mr. Bolder Mr. uh Michael from the first two hours gave a great explanation as to what's going on in the church and why uh we see the um congregations continue to you know uh the, especially the mega churches continue to hold their their numbers and it's because of the justification of of personal sin. It's like yeah you
0: know. See, I, I go to church with my mom. My mom's 72 years old, and I can't legally drive because I'm I'm part sighted from diabetes. And I miss going to church and worshiping, but like, like I said before, I try to say, you know, I listen to Hagman and Hagman, I listen to True News, Paul, Paul Begley, all these things are going on, and they just smile and nod their head, and, and very rarely is anything brought up. But... um. So I'm just going to hang out in the Word and just trust in God that He'll maybe help me find another church, I don't know, or just hang tight till He comes back. But my second question is, I know we're supposed to love our enemies, we're supposed to pray for them, we're supposed to bless them, as it says in the Word. And man, it gets hard after I saw what Harry Reid and the Democrats did today to kill the bill to um, strengthen the um, thing about letting in Syrian and the Iraqi uh, people coming in here from all the carnage that's going on and to see what's going on in Germany and Europe and everything, it's like, man, don't they see that in the in the Muslim faith, because I watched Jim Baker and he has guests on it speak about um, that former generals and anti-intelligence, uh, it says in the Quran that they will um, wipe out the infidel, they're allowed mm-hmm. to lie to the infidel to get their way. They, sure. um, they can charge you a surtax, and even then, they can, if they want to kill you, they can kill you. And, and it's like, my God, don't they see? Are they that blind? Have they been drinking so much of that Kool-Aid that they're lost?
1: Yeah. And, and don't forget, and, and this is not to disparage the act of, ostensible act of kindness, but don't forget Ted Cruz and... and um, uh, Glenn Beck going down to the southern border, handing out the teddy bears on lollipops, and again, I don't mean to sound disparaging because there is an element of humanitarianism to that, but that's not addressing the issue, the intent behind this this uh, this invasion and, and the invasion sir it it is to take down our country from within to destroy the culture of our country and and again i I refer back to the monday show cultures borders and language uh they make up a country and these globalists who are behind all of us they're they're taking us down they're taking us down and they're, they're trying to reformulate into this one world order that's of nimrod of babylon you know and, and Tom Horn you know, talks about this and writes about this, and Paul McGuire and so on. So you're absolutely right, and it's very frustrating that people don't see what's right in front of their eyes.
0: Yeah, I watched. I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to let you all go because I going to get other callers. I watched Scott Pelley interview about, I would say, eight young Muslim people, probably ranges from um, 17 to probably 27. One was a lieutenant in the U.S. Army. And he sat there and Scott Pelley interviewed and asked him, Why, what do you think about you joining the U.S. Army? And they go, He goes, Well, they weren't quite happy at first because why would you join the military is killing your own people? And he replied to Scott Pelly, Well, the reason I joined is because U.S. military is so um, diverse on religion and, and that. And I'm going, That is a lie. We can't speak the name of Jesus Christ anymore without getting court martialed or demoted. Yet they promote the Quran and they can pray, so that was a lie. Then he went to another young man, and the young man says, "Well, our Islamic faith, it doesn't tell us to kill people. That's another lie because it says that they're to kill infidels. So you know, I just don't get it, you guys. I just don't. No,
2: nope. yeah, and we, I mean, we understand in that the. the uh... One of the leaders of ISIS years ago said that it would be an invasion, and that is exactly what we're seeing today, only packaged as an immigration crisis. And we want to thank you, Troy, for for your call. We're going to let you go, and we're going to move on. But you have a great evening, and thanks for the call. Uh, folks, if you want to get on on the air with us, the number is 844-769-2944. We're going to go to Stephen in Indiana next. Stephen, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report.
4: Hey, how are you guys doing? Very
1: well. What's on your mind?
4: What's on my mind? I have a lot on my mind, but I will simplify it. Well, um, I want to kind of go along with the the gentleman that you uh, that was just on here. Um, I kind of get how he feels. I I deal with a lot of, of my my friends that are believers who always utilize the uh, notion that we shouldn't forsake the brethren and fellowship or congregation. And my heart's desire is to be around fellowship with people, but I just, there's no significant foundation of a full gospel, like a movement of the Lord. And if you try to address any of what, you know, he spoke about you know, the guy before me, but or, or any of you guys or who you have come on here, it's, it's like you're, 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 you don't speak truth and love, uh, or you're condemning people. And who are you to, who are you to speak about this stuff? And then when you try to point it out, you end up get you don't want to cause strife and envy, but and you're, you know, you're praying with the Lord because you don't want to be the one who's, you know, in first John, uh, in first John, it talks about if you don't love your brother and you're not, I mean, basically I can't remember exactly, but, um, in First John, it talked about um, you know not loving your brother, then you don't you're not of God. Basically, that's paraphrasing it. Don't quote me on that. But how do you can you emphasize to me why is it when you speak on or address these very issues? Uh, why can't you come across people and you know and it's not like you're trying to forsake people, but when you try to discuss it. You're you're instantly uh, you're instantly brought down. Then you start questioning your faith and questioning. Am I am I speaking truth or rather than you, you know you you know what I'm trying to get at? I'm trying to simplify yeah, you, it to the yeah. best I can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know We know when you when you're talking about uh, sound biblical doctrine to uh, people who have belief systems that are that seemingly are Christian and and. Seemingly believe in Jesus uh, of the Bible, when really they are their own dogmatic beliefs, and they have nothing to do with what is taught in the Bible. There's a, a big disconnect between precepts of the Lord and the traditions of men, and sadly, people are are too often defending traditions of men rather than precepts of the Lord. And this is where the the arguments and the disconnect comes in, and our you know our own little. Uh, I, I think Greg Jackson sent us this book. Um, a storm a message in a bottle yeah that's from a a friend of his and in in the introduction um, it says this and it's just one paragraph I want to read he goes on to say very few persons are genuinely willing to reconsider their hardcore positions on arguments of eschatology I believe with absolute certainty that it is quite impossible to carry on any fruitful debate on any subject of the Bible unless both parties adhere to a functioning standard of interpretative laws through which they are both willing to filter all questions and answers of Christian doctrine. And um, it goes on from, from there to explain, you know, uh, how the interpretation of each reader and uh, where they take their belief from there, how that defines um, their belief system, instead of being open to correction from the Holy Spirit through uh, fruitful debates between Christians. Christians don't seem to be open to that today, many of them. Or people who call themselves Christians, and this is where we're seeing the problem.
4: You know that that hits the nail around the coffin. I always want to throw in two examples on behalf of that. When you try to discuss one thing with the gentleman that you had on tonight, hit it, hit it, and I'm glad that he specifically stated precisely how I, in my spirit, felt like the pre-trib. It's not about the doctrine of pre-trib. It's the 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 failure of what I'm I'm hearing that. The common, the common denominator between all these watchman ministries, uh, between your guys', um, uh, platform the Lord's blessed you guys with and, you know, Dr. Michael Lake or Rick Wiles, it's all about leading each individual to Christ and it's all about repentance and it's all about working out our salvation through fear and trembling, embracing the love of the Lord and, and experiencing His true grace, not this hyper grace, not this hyper love. Like I don't care about the riches of this world, but rather than how is it that I can learn to be sanctified? How to, how can you show, show me how to be obedient? Because in John fifteen, yeah, uh, well, actually throughout the whole Bible, from Genesis to the end, it's all about obedience and commandments. If we love Him, we will do His. <laughs> we will mm-hmm. we will abide in His commandments, and that's a hard thing to do. Especially with when you try to discuss that. So the, the, when he talked about the pre-trib, that's one issue. Um, and I'm not trying to take too much time uh, here. I'm going to simplify it. When you go and discuss pre-trib doctrine to somebody, I end up this where the conclusion comes down to: we will see what happens in the end. We will. We will see whose plays out. Like their their belief of pre-trib and me believing that you should prepare. And for the, for just persecution or any tribulation in general. And then you show word, what do you get? You know, instead of rather having to, to debate that, it, it, this, I mean, you know, you emphasize, well, hey, we, we know you talk about let's pull down strongholds, let's do, let's conduct ourselves. But how can you and I discuss this? And we do that, if we can even look at what the word says without having a debate like uh Greg Jackson which you said in the introduction, which hit round right the dot on that note I just I had to express an example personally with no names but how to dealing with that stuff
2: <laughs> well, you're right on the money stephen with the uh with the division and the and the uh different doctrines and, and debates that go on in the church, and we'll just tell you to 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 keep your head high and and stay in the word and uh, thanks for your call and we're gonna move on to our next call, but have a great
1: night. And, uh. Yep. Right on the money. Yeah, thank you, brother. I, I just want to throw out a, a, just an important piece of news here. You know, a government report was least, released yesterday. DHS released a report uh, entry, exit, overstate report for, for last year. Yeah. Uh, over half a million people. And don't tell me that's... more. It what, was 545? Yeah, it was over 500,000. But bottom line here is, uh, you know, all foreign nations... Uh, this is an invasion, specifically by the Islamic uh, by the Islamic element here, and this is by design. Don't think for one second this has anything to do with our generosity as a nation. Our generosity uh, gen- generosity is being exploited as a nation, and our foolishness and our and our head in the sand attitude is at is being is being exploited and being uh, well. You know, we will see. The fruits or the rotten fruit from this mm-hmm. in a very short, short time. Go ahead.
2: Moving on next,
1: next to our uh, caller,
2: Paul is up next. Thank you for calling the Hagman and Hagman Report, Paul. You're live on the air.
0: Good evening, gentlemen. Good oh. evening. Yeah, your um, mind. <laughs> yeah, so much, so much. Um, first of all, I. I can't remember the gentleman's name, but I'll, I'll always refer to him as uh, uh, Demetri Dudeman's grandson. But I'll, Michael, uh, Bo- to get
2: Michael Bodea.
0: Bodea.
1: Yeah, Michael With Bodea. B, okay, yes. Michael Bodea.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm unfortunately divorced, but back in the day, my wife had heard about him or heard him. And we're talking, uh, I don't know, when did he? It's like back in the early 90s, I think. And of course, a lot of people in the church are poo pooing and stuff, but it certainly caught our attention. It was a real blessing to to hear him uh, uh, preach tonight. <laughs> and um, it's been a nutty show, a, a nutty week on, on Hagman, as far as I'm concerned. Uh,
1: two nights Not ago. How
0: so? I guess just because. Everything that's happening out there you guys have captured it so well with with your guests and yourselves and uh, I'm just overwhelmed um, because i I've been uh, <laughs> I've been a conspiracy nut and been you know with that last guy that was just on a totally feeling this pain you know but I started researching nine eleven oh, okay Oklahoma city bombing let's start there i my daughter one of my daughters was uh, born. Uh, the night of, so I sat there watching CNN with my mouth hanging open, all this stuff live. And you know what? Those first guys, the local news, they get there, they get the cameras rolling, they're videotaping, they're reporting, and they're telling you what's going on. You know, the next day it's a totally different story. I mean, these, oh, there, there's another explosion. You know, the guy says on the air, and and they're giving all this information that isn't there anymore.
5: Right. But yeah.
0: you know, people just. They don't want to hear about, all oh, you're a nut. Well, I'm not a nut. Who's that congressman, that Oklahoma congressman that followed that and was fighting for the truth for years and years and years? I think it about killed him.
1: Well, um, there, there were a couple then, of congressmen, but, but you're right about Oklahoma City. Look, there there were a lot of things that were at play there. In fact, I was in New York City when that uh when that bombing took place, and uh, that was in 1995, April 19th. Notice the date, uh, the significance of the dates yeah. um, as well. And and th- the there's initial, so many components to it.
2: The initial news reports, you're right, and it, it has to do with 9-11. It has to do with Oklahoma
1: City. Um, oh, so many yeah. of the live, real-time reports of things that were ongoing. And Jana Davis wrote The Third Terrorist. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, look, you, there's there's things I don't necessarily agree with Gina on, and she doesn't agree with me on but one thing that we do agree upon is uh Joe and I didn't meet uh John the uh, well John Doe, uh number two, the, the guy that stepped out of that rider truck with uh with uh, oh, yeah. uh McVeigh. Okay, and we looked at him square in the eyes in a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts, who happened this guy happened to Work with the people in the food service industry and the airports with respect to the Oklahoma City bombing. There was an uh, there was indeed a an, a Muslim component to that. Now whether or not that was you know peppered and, and facilitated by the. Um, by the FBI or domestic spy agencies or elements, criminal elements within that, that's a different matter altogether, but the fact of the matter is nothing, nothing that we've been told about Oklahoma City, about the first trade center bombing in 93, and about nine eleven has, well, very few facts. Waco, I mean, the, you no,
0: know, Sandy, it's, it's all BS. Sandy Hook, I know, yeah. I know.
1: And, and, um, and anyone, wants to, anyone who wants to adhere to the, the official narratives of this, God bless you, go ahead, keep your head up, your uh, yeah, yeah, head
0: in the sand.
1: <laughs> yeah, head in the sand. That's better.
0: Hey, I, I got a big heavy box in the mail today from a friends at Survival Wholesale with my scratch and dent items.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah, I don't
0: know how that. I don't know how that FedEx guy uh, got that into the house, but uh, he did. <laughs> um, I, I want to. First of all, it's, it's not scratch and dented. It, it's scratch and dents. I'm from Wisconsin and there's all kinds of scratch and dent stores and uh typically they're run by amish old old order amish and uh mennonites and it's a big farming community in central wisconsin there's like i could think about six or seven stores right off the top of my head and they get all the stuff that's broken case or dated or whatever from a big center i think it's in the twin cities and then they bring their you know their big truck vans back and stack their shelves and uh I bought a whole pallet of corn with no labels on it for like a buck a flat. it was like fifty <laughs> can or something.
1: I'm telling yeah, you, man, it's so a good way to do it. Yep. Yep.
0: It's out there. Um why one reason I wanted to call, I I I just love to hang out with you guys all night and I guess that's what I do, but you don't hear what I'm saying. <laughs> um uh <laughs> until I'm on the phone here. Hey, whatever. Uh, so I have this uh conspiracy Theory, all right. Um, there's lots and lots of Chinese restaurants all over Wisconsin. So I'm assuming they're all over. They're
2: California. everywhere. Yep.
0: And I'm talking. I mean, this. I'm from Central Wisconsin, Podunk towns, you know, the the county seat. From the county I'm from, is, is like what is it? 2,400 people in it. That's the county seat. Okay. And there's a there's a Chinese restaurant. You go up to you know, up north to the uh, next county up. They got two or three. So these people, I don't think a lot of them are legal. They don't speak any English. But they'll have one young person that does, or maybe an American citizen they'll have working there. <clears throat> but with all that China's been up to, <laughs> infiltrating and, you know, stealing their technology and planting their, you know, back doors in the x ray machines and all of the voting machines and all this garbage they've been up to for all these years. Why wouldn't they plant cells of their people all over the United States for such a time as this? I mean, am yeah, I would, going to sound like
1: a No, no, no. Enjoy your Kung Pao chicken, folks. <laughs> okay? Because you'll you'll be eating that full time soon. Yeah, but it's you just, do the math, like and,
0: and you've got tens of thousands, tens of thousands of Chinese. They could have their SKSs and their AKs. In their little apartments or whatever, for whenever the time comes.
2: I don't yeah, I mean, know. We, we I, see it with the the uh, the Muslim immigration situation or invasion, uh, depending <laughs> on on how you want to look at it. But uh, yeah, I mean, who's to say that you know you won't see something like that one day? And um, you know, who knows? Uh, it's an interesting observation, and and you know, one of the many. Um, threats we have to keep our eye on
1: and i'll tell you one other thing and then i'll just shut up but you know the the original red dawn movie with the china uh i guess it was china yeah. right Yeah, you know it was the chinese among others the cubans and such you know i looked at that uh recently let me tell you something you, you get a bunch of spineless sellouts in the, in our in, in various levels of our government i'll tell you something that's not too far off i don't believe that that's that that's a fiction, or I don't believe that's a stretch to believe that that you've got not these at sellouts. All. You know, and I'll, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else. Just folks, be careful who you trust. Be careful who you admit that you've got a, a store of food or a, 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 you know, buried ammunition somewhere or whatever. Just be careful, please, because these people will sell you out for a, uh, I don't know, for a nickel. That's just that's an excellent nonsense. point.
0: Excellent point, Doug. I, I was actually going to mention that. Um, I'm almost uh, pretty much at the point where, you know, if somebody isn't preparing, <laughs> look at the Anthos sluggard. I mean, we all, uh, all of us, the Hagman family, if you will, we're all on the same page with the storm's coming. Well, we better be ready. We better try to get ready because we won't be fully ready. Uh, tonight was a slap in the head, should be a slap in the head to all of us like, Focus on the most important thing, your Lord and Savior, no doubt. But he's the one that taught us to prepare, right, and our ancestors to prepare canned food, put up food. And uh, it, it's going to get ugly, and it's just kind of frightening because it looks like it's happening real soon. I appreciate Amen, you Amen, brother.
1: Thank uh, you, man. Hey, Paul, thanks for the call. And if I can add one thing, you know, the caller said about, you know, being ready and preparing. Let me tell you something, okay. When my wife had her, the head, we thought she was having a heart attack. It was four or five in the morning, and she woke me up. Uh, I happened to. Uh, and this is a true story, okay. I actually was so tired that night because uh, I didn't get to, I didn't get to bed. Uh, in fact, I was debating whether to whether to go mm-hmm. in her room or go in the guest room, and I laid down in, in, in on the bed. And I was fully clothed when I fell asleep, including my shoes. So when she awakened me, all right, um, it took me a little bit to orient, you know, to become oriented. Okay, now I'm going to say this. At 4 o'clock in the morning, anyone who thinks that they're going to be able to uh, uh, to hold off an invading, uh, you know, uh SWAT team into their house. Just a four-man crew. Okay. Even. Yeah, you, you, you better think again. All right, because, uh, you know, and and I'm one who has been used to, back in the 70s, I worked 24-7. Um, or 24-hour shifts, 24, sometimes 48-hour shifts on, on a rescue squad where, you know, you were allowed to nap and then, you know, bang, they'd get you up. So you're used to that. But if you're not used to that, yeah, you think again before somebody kicks in your door and you think you're going to be coherent enough to grab a weapon and to fight off whatever might be coming through that door. Yeah, you, you might be lucky, even fully clothed with boots on or shoes on or attire, you, know, you know, okay, you might get lucky, but the bottom line is 99.9% of the, uh, uh, other keyboard warriors are going to be stunned and uh, you know, so yeah. I don't know I just thought I'd throw that out there
0: Yeah, you, you brought something to my mind I want to share with uh, maybe some fence sitters uh, Y2K was a, was a real threat, I'm in information technology, I have been for 35 years but I worked in Milwaukee and I uh, worked at Northwestern Mutual Life as a consultant on a project and you got off the elevator on the 8th, 9th, and 10th floor, and they had... You ever see those United Way thermometers where the fundraising goes up?
5: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah.
0: It's like a big sign. Well, they did that for Y2K readiness because they had all this legacy software and these old COBOL systems and assembler code on these big iron, big old computers, right? So they had guys from Pakistan and, and India and everywhere working on this stuff to get it fixed. Well... I, I prepped. We prepped and took a lot of crap. Got some people to prep with us. I went overboard on my attitude. I must confess that. Um, however, when it didn't happen, so to speak, uh, there were certainly repercussions, but nothing like I thought was going to happen. Anyway, guess what? I ended up losing my job in the in the the economic downturn in 2001, the dot com failure, whatever they call that So. Guess, guess we had all, I had a 250 gallon tank outside full of gas, you know, and I, we had lots of food and so it helped us. It
1: didn't it go didn't bad. It time. didn't go bad, did it?
0: No, no. Oh. So keep
1: that. You used the gas, you ate the food, you used the gas, and and you were better for it probably.
0: Yep. So,
2: God bless you guys. Well, thank you, thank all you, right, Paul. Brother. We're going to move on. You have a good night. Thanks for calling. Um, we're going to go next to Mary. Mary, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. What's on your mind tonight?
6: Yeah, hi. I just changed phones. Um, Yeah, I listening. I really enjoyed listening to uh, Dimitri Dudeman's uh, grandson. It had been a long time since I had heard, heard them, you know? And Dimitri Dudeman gave that prophecy about 20 years ago. It was 84, I believe he said. You know, so you look at the mercy of God, and he's given us years and years and years. And I know, uh, you know, we get used to living. We get used to getting up and going to work, and and you know, dropping the kids at daycare, coming home, and we have a schedule, and we go and go and go, and we don't realize how quickly life is going. Um. So I say this is is you know I look you know I I listen to the YouTube uh, the scriptures on YouTube. And, you know, Jeremiah was preaching for years. Isaiah was preaching for years. And it's the same thing now. Uh, but, you know, none, I mean, we can look at God's promises and say they don't fall to the ground. But none of god God's prophecies ever fall to the ground. And, you know, you listen to people, and uh, Canada, I think, is feeling, as much of an uh, an invasion as uh, uh, you know, Europe and and, Amer- and uh, the states is feeling. But I like to kind of change the conversation. I like to say to people, there is one God. He's triune. I say one God. And that God has an enemy. And he kicked that enemy out of heaven a long time ago. And he's been on the earth scheming ever since. And if you look at Daniel and, and you know, the expressions about the Antichrist, they'll call him a man that uses stealth. <laughs> that's vi- that's a very unique word. That's not, uh, I mean, that's, it's intrigue. It's, uh, I don't know, it's even uh, maybe beyond um, figuring it out what he's doing. And so I think, you know, the, the person that's sitting in your White House now has acted with a lot of stealth through uh, in the Middle East, and he's stirred up a pot really kind of without him looking like an enemy. And I think he's a, you know, horribly dangerous man, but it, there's been dangerous men all through history. I, you know, I don't know what I want to say, but I I want to change the conversation. I want to start saying there's one God and one enemy, and you better figure out who's the real God, because your soul's at stake. And then, you know, I've read a book, you might be familiar with a man named Walid Shobat. Um, sure.
1: Uh, we've interviewed yeah, yeah. him. Yes. Yeah.
6: yeah I, I believe so, yeah, yeah. Well, in uh, the Koran, there's three verses that say one one thing, and it says, and this is my favorite verse in the Koran, it says, Allah is the greatest of all deceivers. Please don't deceive me, Allah. And then I look at my Bible, and it says, God is not a man that he should lie. And, you know, there's no lie in God. So I look at a Muslim and I say, how can you say it's the same God? And it they can't answer me. And I can look at a Christian and give that same argument when they say, okay, it's all one God, and I can say no. I can say, how can you rectify a God that lies to you and deceives you with a God that never lies? I said, you better figure it out. It's your soul. And I... I, I kind of challenge their thinking and I take the argument out of what's always going on, the same argument. I, you know, I've, I've asked friends, I said, if, if you know, friends that aren't Christian or people I know that aren't Christian, I say, um, you know, if I were to, if you were to just say what, uh, what you would expect a Christian to say, the first thing probably would be against uh, sodomites or homosexuals. And they would say, yeah, you think, you know, Christians are mean. But if, if you look at another, if you change that argument and stop saying the same old nonsense and turn it back into the truth that you have a decision to make between where your soul is going to live, in bliss with God eternally or, you know, suffering the consequences of missing the right God. So I, I like, I want to change the argument. I want to start letting people know that Allah is the greatest of all deceivers and there's three verses in the Quran that says that. And if people are Muslims, then they either, they either believe the book or they don't. And I challenge them to their face. And, and uh, gently. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and if, and if it, I can just... jump in here the uh the the verse that you're referring to is more uh to be precise now it's translated differently in um from arabic to english and there are different Mm -hmm. translations but um you're referring to uh, a verse that says and when those who disbelieve plot against the o muhammad to wound thee fatally or to kill thee or to drive thee forth they plot but allah Also plotteth, and Allah is the best of plotters. Meaning to say, if you go to, like, yeah, now, I mean, Bible expositors uh, for the Holy Bible will um, interpret verses a certain way that's consistent with the text of the Bible, but in the Quran, you have these, I'll just say, Quranic expositors who will take Mm -hmm. that, you know, and say, well, no, wait a minute, this is. It's not meant for evil. It's meant to, the, meaning that he's smarter. Um, for example, you know, so
6: he's smarter than being deceived. He, he's smart enough not to be deceived. I think that's what they're trying to say. But right. at the same time, it's. it's it, and I look at that, and that's another argument that they always say. And I've talked to different taxi drivers here in the city that that are Muslim you know when I say that I I will say that well they'll say oh it depends on the translation and I said well that's funny I said don't you have a dictionary that you can go to to tell me exactly what that word means because I can do that in Hebrew and I can do that in Greek and it just it you know it, it changed the argument because they're always going to say that that's their argument their argument is oh no you don't understand us and another one the thing I like to point out too with with Islam is that they can tell you, oh, yes, I'll do this, or, you know, I'll be very glad to do this for you. And then they'll turn around, and they'll change their mind, because they c- they're they allowed to lie to you in order to, uh, to increase or, uh, or uh, promote. Yeah, it's
1: called, yeah. right, it's called to yeah, yeah. and, and, yep, and, and and. So how can yeah. you... Uh,
6: so how can you rely on any truth coming from the mouth of a Muslim? If, they, if they'll can. turn around a few years later and, yeah, right. <laughs> so There's
0: either, just no way.
6: Either, I know. So who, who do they worship? A God that tells them the truth or a God that tells lies? And I'll put it right back at them because we live in a world that's full of deception but there is one enemy he's got many faces he's got Islam he's got maybe Hindu because they don't believe in Jesus Christ either and any religion that doesn't say Jesus Christ came in the body he died it's Antichrist Amen. so you can look at everything else but Jesus Christ and you can say everything's all wrong and you, you have like a legitimate argument but You know, it's like I approach people with tenderness and kindness. I approach them not as if I want to change their mind, but I want to get them to think. And sometimes you can see the light go on in people's faces when you challenge them with something. Well, not challenge, but when you bring their thinking to realize that, hey, something doesn't make sense. And then they begin to question you know how do I look at this how am I going to experience or, or interpret this and I feel if you could make the light go on in someone's head that you could make them see everything else or you could help them to see all the other deceptions that are going on bit by bit I I don't know I hope for that you know but you know there's people that will always be deceived and they will be deceived still right, right. Says that and, in, and you know emotion. what
1: they love to live in that Deception. See, people people are comfortable with deception. They love to live the lie because the lie is a lot more convenient, a lot less hassle, and you can still get your four dollar cup of Starbucks coffee um, yeah, yeah. when you're living that deception. Mary, thank you so much for the call. We got two other callers to get to in the last seven minutes. You have a good night. Thank you.
2: Well, sorry. So, 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 short, so, but... Thanks for listening from Canada. you yeah. great, great, great people. We're going to go to Tim and then Randy for our last two calls. Tim, you're up first. You're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Thanks for holding.
7: How you doing, guys? Yeah, good. You know, you guys, you guys have the best guests, and you have the best callers, too. <laughs> I tell you, the the audience, in, you know... You know, sometimes um, more informative than some of the guests, but we're blessed by by Michael tonight. And then the one man who uh, talked about uh, 9 11, whenever I have a talk talk to people about that, I always say, How about building seven? (laughs) And, uh, you know, that came down, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, pancake. Tell me about building seven. But uh, besides that, I was the Tim that called on New Year's Eve that uh, somehow I got disconnected in modern-day yeah. prediction about, uh, uh, you know, the new year or whatever. We're going to find out uh, what the chemtrails are all about. I was standing there on uh, Christmas, Christmas Day night. I, I went outside, and there was a moon out, and there was a crisscross right across the moon of chemtrails. You know, and I go, what are they doing on Christmas doing this? I mean, you know, and then I mentioned it to a few people, you know, in my area and they also saw it. But, um, I just, just wanted to mention that. That's my prediction for the year. But well, thanks to, to for get so noted that in
1: there. So noted. Yeah.
7: And then I have a compliment to, um, to Ted Breuer. You know, you're talking about prepping, but you also, um, need to have your, your body and your health to be you know prepared to and there's this woman doctor her name is Sherry A. Rogers and um, she, she's, a, she's a woman of faith that she believes you know well not believes but she knows that your body is made to be healed and all you have to do is give it the right nutrients not not, not the right chemicals from, from the pharmaceutical companies and um, last year I was diagnosed with macular degeneration I cured oh, yeah. myself by her advice, and she'd be a wonderful guest. She's always on uh, the Joyce uh, Riley show.
1: Yeah, we've got her. We've got her contact information. Actually, um, I know who you're talking oh about. God.
7: So, I mean, you know, she, you know, she goes into detoxification. You know, we need to detox all the time from all all the. Uh, phalates in our uh, in our water and the fluoride and goes through all that, but she'd be a great compliment to Ted Groyer. And uh I don't know, Ted said something about he's not gonna be in Dallas. There's some kind of uh something
1: yeah, that will go on yeah, with him. He he he's uh, no, he won't be in Dallas. Um but there will be a full lineup there. Uh so I mean yeah, it's, it's gonna th- be a great schedule actually it, they,
2: there's been a tentative schedule uh created and I'm not sure when yeah. that will be released but uh I know that, that Mike and Jeannie have been working on that, and um, it's Ooh. going to be a great lineup uh, as there's been... Russ Dizdar has been a new addition. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Michael Bodeo from tonight is as a, as a new addition. Yep. So... um Ted will be missed, but we will
1: uh, endure and continue. As soon as the schedule, uh, uh, caller, as soon as the, um, the guest, the identity of the guests, all of them, I mean, pretty much what's on the website, if you've got to hear the watch from the website, uh, that's current. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure that, that'll that be finalized here in a very short short order. So it'll right. be cool. Sure.
7: And it would be great if you had Ted and the Sherry on at the same time because their knowledge, and if they went back and forth and talked about healing and that, you know you're, you're yeah. going to have a fantastic program
1: well there's so many and and, and he's he's so knowledgeable about the uh, matters of uh you know I mean I'll tell you something he, he, there's a lot of good uh, information about the uh, healing and, and that's true. We'll see if we can do that, Shuri, Tim. Sherry, I, I, hey, we can call Sherry. In fact, I'll, you can call her tomorrow.
2: We'll make a note of that, Tim. We're going to let you go. We got to get to Randy before the end of the show. Thank you so much for your call and for your prediction that mm-hmm. we didn't get on the New Year's Eve show. You have a great thanks, night. bud. All right, we're going to go to Randy. Randy. Randy, you can close us up. But we got about two minutes left. It's all yours.
5: All righty, guys. Uh, thanks again for another great program. Uh, I feel for those uh, earlier callers who expressed their frustration. I appreciate the last words of Michael Bodia about, you know, not growing weary. And uh, about uh, four or five years ago, when I first became involved in becoming, uh, as we put it, awake and listening to Steve Coyle and and your, you guys and others like you. Uh, it became rapidly apparent that you could become very weary because family looks at you cross-eyed and the church looked at you cross-eyed and, uh, you know, they all think you're, you just fell off the turnip truck, turnip truck, and, uh, you do grow weary. Uh, and so about four years ago, I wrote this little piece that, uh, I think I got just enough time to, to close out with, and it's actually one of the only things I've ever written that doesn't rhyme, but it talks about it and addresses that <laughs> very fact of growing weary. <laughs> And it's called, Sown in Weakness and Raised in Power. Sown in weakness, raised in power, we are bearing the likeness of earth, but we're soon to bear the likeness of heaven. Many will sleep, but all will be changed. Men are continually sowing to the wind, and even now are reaping the whirlwind of their seed. The humble, the faithful, those sowing to the spirit, their promised harvest is eternal. Oh, but weariness is attempting to overtake the faithful. This is a warning to remain vigilant. Brush off the weariness. Due time must pass, but the harvest will come. It is only in the proper time that the harvest is seen. They are considered blessed who persevere. Even as the farmer waits for the land to yield its crop, so the only righteous judge is standing at the door, waiting. Standing firm is imperative because the Lord's coming is near. Many others will come. They are clouds without rain. They are shepherds feeding on the sheep. They are trees without fruit, foam on the waves of the ocean. But soon, heaven will be silent, silent for half an hour. Then you will smell the aroma of incense. And fire comes from heaven, rumblings, lightning, and earthquakes. And what is the sound I hear? Is it a cry? Is it a shout, a moan? No, it is a distant trumpet. Again and again, the blow of the trumpet is carried on the wind. Seven times the sound pierces face and resounds with haunting echo. Hail and fire, the sea turns to blood. Be steadfast. Celestial bodies fall from afar, striking the earth. The faithful are holding on to promises now. More than I can tell, and yet even more horrors awake. Awake! It is the reaping of the whirlwind.